What do you say we bust up this joint, huh? <laughs> the Lake Show, baby. You know, there's gonna be sex, drugs, rock and roll, chips, dips, chains, whips. You know, your basic high school orgy type of thing. I mean, uh, I'm not talking candle wax on your nipples or witchcraft or anything like that. No, no, no. No, just a couple of hundred kids running around in their underwear, acting like complete animals. The bears are what we thought they were. What, what, they're what we thought they were. The bears are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. You're gonna tell me that Garrett Wolf from Northern Illinois is better? He's in the same atmosphere as Adrian Peterson? Who led the nation? Oh my God! What are we talking about? Practice? Playoffs? Practice. Playoffs? Practice, man. You kidding me? I mean, listen, we talking about practice. I just hope we can win a game. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. I have work to do. I have hundreds of clients to deal with. And just so we're clear, I don't care about any of them. They're all just a number, like wife number one and therapist number seven. Good day. All right, good morning to everybody out there listening to The Fan. Henry Lake in for Paul Allen today. PA off, bye week. Nordo producing this thing. Nordo in the big chair tomorrow morning. No vacations for me. No vacations for you. Always here, always ready. Is PA taking care of the voice, though? Is he taking care of the voice? Yeah, it's vocal maintenance. I mean, much <laughs> like you know, Mike Zimmer trying to catch four or five hours of sleep, players trying to get healthy, it's vocal maintenance for the stretch run. Next Sunday night, Soldier Field. It's got to be ready. Yep. On the show today, we got the Grimmer coming in. My Grim coming in at, uh, he's coming in next segment, the next couple of segments. The voice of uh, Gopher basketball and football. We'll chat with him and, and talk about both of those items. We'll talk football, then we'll transition to basketball because it's basketball season. And last night we kicked off nothing but net. Me, Khalid Elamine, as well as Troy Bell. Yeah, we had a fun time last night. Seven thirty to nine Wednesday nights right here on the Fan. That was fun. Did you guys? Uh, did you guys break down Jimmy Butler and what it's like to to have? Because you can't win without him. He says. And apparently, based on what I saw out in L.A., win. you yeah. can't win with him either. Yeah. Can 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 he win a road game? Can he help us win a road game? Well, in the can, ones that he's played in, the team has not uh, come out victorious. Yeah, it's it's not been good. But uh, we'll definitely talk to uh, to 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 Grandma the next couple of segments, and then a little bit later, eleven o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Caleb Truex, professional boxer. He's going to join us in studio as well as Ben Lieber because. All three of us are part of a special screening for Creed 2, which is taking place next week. And we'll give uh, a little bit more information about everything that's going on with that in the 11 o'clock hour. Plus, I got some football stuff I want to ask Ben Lieber in one of those segments as well. But before we get to Vikings football, I, I do have to rant just a little bit. Okay, I have a little bit of a rant, and I want to send a shout-out to my guy, Ron Johnson. Okay, Ron Johnson. Yeah, Ron Johnson. Three Ron Johnson on Twitter. In case yes. anybody knows, he does have social media. Yep, I, I got to shout him out because I, I I follow him on Twitter, and he makes a lot of great points when it comes to fitness and working out at the gym. Okay, I am a proud member, proud member of Lifetime Fitness. Have been for many years, and Ron will um he'll talk about things that happen at the gym, and he he identifies them as what hashtag Gym Chronicles. Yeah, he has all kinds of chronicles. Those would be the Jim Chronicles, yes. I like the Jim Chronicles because he's he's spot on with a lot of his his takes. And I have one this morning because I did work out this morning. And 
the majority of the time, because I bounced around from Target Center to the Plymouth Lifetime to St. Louis Park. The majority of the time, I'm at St. Louis Park. Okay, and many of the uh, people out there listening that are lifetime members have been to St. Louis Park, and they know how it is. It's a busy gym. It's one of the busiest gyms. It's a very popular gym. Yeah. Okay. And much props. Love my peeps at uh, at Lifetime. But I got an issue with uh, some of the the members. Okay. Uh oh. This is this is the deal. All right, because we're all members, right? The thing that is really ticking me off here, as I start my rant, it's just a couple minute rant, is that when we're in the locker room, you know how it works, right? This is how it works, Nordo. Yeah. It always happens that when you are going to your locker to get your things or to to wrap up or to put stuff in a locker, there's yeah. always someone at the locker that's right next to you, right? We're all sharing the space, okay? But it's always, you're never just going to go to a locker and then there's not going to be somebody that's right next to you in the locker room. This is not how it works. No, it's rush hour traffic yes. in Lifetime. Yes. No it's, doubt about it. Especially in St. Louis Park. So this morning, there was a gentleman that, and we're sharing the bench there, right? Because his locker's right next to mine. He's there socializing for like an hour. Oh. Like, 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 legitimately, Awful. I go work out, come back. He's still doing his thing, okay? Has his towel and everything, taking up the bench, socializing, talking about what trips he's been on. And it's always the, and I hate the stereotype, but it's always the, the guy that is 55 or 60 and up. Yeah. Talking about what he's doing with his wife in his spare time. I'm not anti-social. I am not anti-you talking to other members and you guys catching up. But there's other spaces for that. Like, you don't take up the entire locker room no. prancing around in your towel and just in everybody's way. Don't right. do that. There, there's a cafe. You can go chop it up and have a, a protein shake or some food. Just move it on, dude. Yeah. Get your naked butt away from me. Oh, so frustrating. It seems like, and and I can I can relate to it because I remember, I mean, look at me, like I, I'm clearly not attending Lifetime on a regular <laughs> basis these days. Then uh, that's fine, but I used to, and I I remember vividly walking into a locker room and seeing a gentleman similar age, mm-hmm. nude, riding a stationary bike, what? watching TV. What in the locker room? You walk in. There's the foyer table. There's a vending machine. There's a stationary bike facing a television. There was a guy naked reading the paper, riding a stationary bike. If you want to socialize, man, you got to take it somewhere else. Now, that, the, that, that's all I'm saying. You're just taking up space in the locker room. Now, if you're in that, I mean, these guys are paying, you know, what, two hundred bucks a month to uh, for all the fixings at Lifetime. So you want to take advantage and, and get your money's worth, but you got to be in and out mm-hmm. in a, in a convenient manner not only you know because i assume you have somewhere to be and maybe that's part of the problem for some of uh some of these gentlemen uh but uh but for the convenience of everyone else like i mean you sit in there and you're trying to get your business done and there's always a guy in there taking everyone on a helicopter tour because i get it it's the locker room but you can still use a towel you can still have a towel. You can still cover yourself up and be mm-hmm. respectful. Mm-hmm. But they treat it like it's their house. Like they're just they're in their basement working out. And they got their buddies with them. Get out of there. Get out of there. Go which, to work. Which leads me to the second guy that I can't stand. Okay? And I haven't said anything because it's one guy in particular. I, I, I'm the guy that, you know, 
I like to get in and get out. Yeah. I, I don't I'm not doing too much talking. I'm not trying to take up too much space. But at the end of a workout, I like to go to the sauna. Okay? Perfect. And sweat because you know, I'll be honest with you right now. I feel like um, I'm, I'm, I'm packing on a few. I've been having a good time since I've been back in, in the Twin Cities, and I need to I need to get back right. Yeah, okay? detox a little bit. Need to detox after every session. Well, the, the saunas are relatively small, okay? I mean, you can sit maybe seven or eight guys in there comfortably, maybe. Yeah. When you're in the sauna, it is not your own personal yoga studio. Like, like, there's yoga studios for you to stretch and do all of that. If you want to go to a Bikram class, go to a Bikram class. Right. But it's not, like, your own personal space. So this guy's, like, legitimately, like, right in front of the door, stretching out, and what? people have to, yes! So, so, when the, so when somebody's trying to get in, he has to move out of the way, and then they have to walk past him to get a spot to sit down. Like, that's so irritating. Dude, we all, we all are sharing space. <laughs> I know that you're paying for your membership like everyone else. Right. But come on, you got to be respectful. Got to be respectful. That's so disrespectful to me. It's got to be jarring when you walk into a sauna and the first thing you see is a man on the floor trying to put his legs behind his head. I don't understand why on earth you need to do that in the sauna. Well, he's, he, he's stretching and he's standing up, but he's like, you know, he's touching, the, he's doing all these different poses and I'm... Anybody out there listening, they know what I'm talking about. The signers are too small for that. Mm. Like, if you're if you're gonna do that, go at a time when it's relatively not busy. But early mornings, and, and trust me, St. Louis Park is a busy gym. Now, how long is he in there? Uh, I'd say about a good twenty to twenty five minutes, maybe. What's like, the What's the max amount of time you want to be in there? I typically I'm in there for like 20 minutes, 15, okay. 15 to 20 minutes. But it, to me, it, it, it's all about you're not aware. Like, be self-aware of, sure. of your surroundings. Yeah, that's my whole point to this bit. My gosh, I never want to be the irritant guy. If I'm ever that guy, please let me know. Please have you? Let me have know. you? Uh, have you if gone I'm, up if, to the? If, have if you, you gone up me? to the gentleman? No, I have not. I, I'm, I don't want to bother him. Okay, I don't want to bother him. This is tough. This is. This is a bit of the Minnesota passive aggressiveness coming through in you, Mr. Lake. I, I get that. I get that. But this is the this is the deal. The reason why I'm not being vocal about it is because I don't feel like it's to the point. I'm ranting right now on the radio. It's not to the point where I want to ruin his day by starting something from my bitterness. Okay. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm going to see the guy again. I just put it like this. When, when I go into the locker room and I'm getting ready to... To finish up, and I see him, I just know that it's part of the program. Okay. Just, you know, it's frustrating. Well, maybe he's listening. If he's if he's stretching in the sauna oh, he guy doesn't care. He daily, doesn't care. Uh, that's, it's just that's what it is. He doesn't care. He's going to do it, and you he just got to deal with it. He might, he might be listening. He might he might mean mug me the next, next time he sees me, which will be tomorrow morning. I don't know. I think I think you got to tell him, I, hey, quit going spread eagle in the sauna right by the freaking <laughs> door while I'm trying to get my sweat on. Okay? I don't want to see it. I don't need to work around it. You know, you'd think that if I made eye contact with you and it was in a less than friendly manner, maybe you could take the hint. But your lack of self-awareness is just too much. You know, put your towel on, sit on the damn bench, and just enjoy it like the rest of us. And, and this is and, and this is the deal, Nordo. I'm not the only one that feels this way. I guarantee you, because the other guys that are sitting there, they're we're all kind of looking at each other, and they're looking like, "What is this guy doing?" Yeah. Don't and it's it. it's the it's the nonverbal acknowledgement and that this is a shared struggle now. 
It is. This is where downward dog in the freaking sauna. The struggle is real. Yes, it is. When I when I am when I am fifty five or sixty and I'm that guy, please let me know. Yeah, I should I should probably be letting him know, but I've, I I am doing the passive aggressive thing and I'm just kind of trying to sweep it under the rug. But I'm venting right now. Hmm. All right, coming up next segment, we'll talk to the voice of the Gophers, Mike Grimm. We'll talk football one segment, basketball the next. The football team, they let me and all of us Gopher fans down last weekend. We'll discuss with the Grimmer next. You're listening to The Fan. Programming of The Fan brought to you in part by Quick Trip. A.J. Bush making his sixth start of the year. Here's a big hole. This is Corbin off to the races, and he is maybe gone. 20, 15, 10, 5 touchdown Illini. Second play of the game. A little bit depressing. I wasn't real thrilled with that play. Yeah, I <laughs> That's why I play the highlight. I love it, Grim. Oh, my goodness. Henry Lake in for Paul Allen today Second here. Second play of the game. <laughs> the Lake Show. And joining us in studio, the voice of uh, Golden Gopher football and basketball, that will be Mike Grimm. Hey, What's going on, Grimm? Uh, first of all, welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate awesome that. Awesome to, uh, to see you, to hear you. I listened last night to your basketball show. What would you think? It was great. Critique us. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, great stories. Be honest. Be honest. Uh, I love the... Uh, uh, um, Stories of you uh, helping coach these guys mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. going to Atlanta and going to Florida and yep. and um, you know obviously now I mean I was not around then I wish I wish they all would have gone and played for the Gophers it would have <laughs> it would have uh, helped things but yeah. uh, to hear some of those stories and uh, Troy Bell was talking about when he committed his dad kind of urged him into Boston College instead of Xavier. And then in his senior year, they went six and twenty-one. He's like, his dad's like, I think I screwed this up. Exactly. And then, yeah. Obviously, it worked out fine. But absolutely, uh, yeah. It's interesting too because when you think about how much talent we have here yeah. in the state of Minnesota, and there's a ton, and we know that, right? Because yeah. because we're, we live here, and nationally, the big time coaches they know that. I mean, now they do. Yeah. I mean, Coach K, he's he's been right? he's known about it for a long time. <laughs> but the one interesting aspect of it is. Although we do get an opportunity to see, like with the the current class of guys that are just in now as freshmen, the one thing that has always eluded us, it seems like, has been that dynamic point guard. Yeah, in, in terms of like the guys that we've homegrown, those guys have left, and even even the guys that maybe weren't like the McDonald's All American type guys, but even like a, a Jordan Taylor that goes to West those yeah. guys have been elusive. Yeah, Al Nolan uh, stayed home, yep. but his uh, injury. Plagued him some. He had the one semester where the academics plagued him. Uh, he's off. He's doing great things now. Mm-hmm. I think he's working in the school system. The last I heard, McKenzie um, came back, and McKenzie came back, yep. and he was the best player on Tubby's first team. Uh, that was with Spencer, uh, Spencer and Coleman, who came back. Now Coleman wasn't a point guard, but they had some home state guys. Uh, but you're right, and and Nolan's game offensively, uh, he was obviously a great stopper defensively, but. Uh, through that regime, he just—they never really got the next game, his that offensive game to the next level. Because when there was a game, Spencer and I were just talking about it. Uh, it would have been Al's freshman year, my second or third year here, third year here, uh, and uh, they played Louisville down in the Arizona Cardinal Stadium, mm-hmm. and Nolan. Won the game for him. It was, he was spectacular. I remember that game, yep. And I remember uh, Saul, uh, Tubby's son, afterwards said, 
I think this guy's the next Rondo. Look at look at this. It looks, you know, and they coached Rondo at Kentucky. Yep. And and, and Al was fine. I'm not. This isn't a, meant to be a knock on Al, but yep. he never got to yep. obviously never got, got to Rondo's level. stage. But that game, if if he could have harnessed that game and consistently been like that, he would have been all Big Ten and maybe would have been, you know, the next Rondo. But yep. it was fun watching him stop people. Man, he was a defender. I definitely, next segment, I want to talk tons of Gopher basketball because the season's just starting, and we just had, you know, the first game of the year against Omaha. That was, that was a, I, there's some some people specifically I got to ask you about. Yeah. But we got to start with Gopher football. Yes. Um, we're winding it down. And I'm like everybody else. I was saddened by the what we saw last weekend. I guess my question is this. Is there any hope left of the team potentially making a bowl game? Well, they're obviously underdogs in all three games. Mm-hmm. And probably, I mean, they're 12-point dogs this week uh, when they go to Wisconsin the last week of the season. Now, who knows what happens? Wisconsin's got a couple of and they got, they got a couple of hornets' nests in the next two weeks. Penn State this Saturday and then Purdue next Saturday. So depending on where that falls, Minnesota, even if Wisconsin will lose both those, the Gophers will be an underdog at Madison. Yep. Um, and they're going to be an underdog with Northwestern here. I don't know how much. I was stunned to see Iowa's an 11-point favorite at home on Northwestern. Now, mm-hmm. Iowa, I think, is probably a better team than their record. They've lost two games that they probably should have won, including Purdue last week and Penn State a couple of weeks ago. But uh, And Kinnick is a hard place to play. But mm-hmm. this is the team that, you know, Northwestern's the team that's on top of the stack and the division, and they're a 10- or 11-point dog on the road. Um so to answer the question, that just kind of set the table. To answer the question, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, if uh, you're probably looking at an uphill fight, I, I, I mean, if you ask me to bet the safety of my personal family on whether they're going to make a bowl game or not, <laughs> I'm leaning toward they probably won't. They're going to have to pull off two upsets and yep. two pretty good upsets. I mean, they're going to be a significant underdog in at least two of these games, including this Saturday. So probably not. Um, and at this point, the, the, to me, the key now is what. What can happen defensively the next three weeks to show some improvement? Because they, um, it, it, it's been, it's just fallen apart. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, from the first three games, and I understand people talk about, hey, it was non-conference, and New Mexico State and Miami aren't very good. Uh, Fresno's pretty good. Their only loss is still that loss that Antoine Winfield hung on him here. There's no Winfield. That's a factor, but. I mean, if, if he's that big of a factor, he should be the first pick in the draft coming yep. up in the spring, right? Yep. It, I mean, should, it should be that bad. It, yeah, it exactly. should not be that big of a drop-off. Uh, so something happened, and as they started to struggle, this is just my own my own thought and watching how they play uh, and, and you know having a little access, limited access, but watching a, a handful of practices over the time. I think they tried to uh, fix things by getting more complicated as opposed to getting simpler. Mm-hmm. And you, I think you could tell watching these guys play the last couple of weeks, they played like they weren't sure what they wanted to do. Like, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be here? And, and so there's ways you can go when you're struggling. And it's like, well, we, this is a weakness, so we have to... And I think this is, unfortunately, the way they went. Sometimes it works, but it didn't here. Weakness here, so let's have this guy do this and this. So you got to cover there. And this guy, and all of a sudden, now guys that are really good players mm-hmm. are trying to do two jobs, and what turns out is they can't do any of the jobs because it's too... You, you can't, you know, you, in football and defense especially, you, you have really one or two jobs every play. You can't have six, and you can't cover for this guy and that guy. So it looks like and sounds like this week they're back to, look, you do your job, Carter Coughlin. Blake Cashman, you do what you're supposed to do. If somebody else messes up, you have to compartmentalize that and understand that's not you. 
You you have to, Thomas Barber, you fill the gap you're supposed to fill. Don't worry about the guy. We'll see if it helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if it will. They, and, and we know that they've let go of the defensive coordinator yes. and, and all of that, so they're moving on with that. It just, as an outsider looking looking at everything, um, and I'm, I'm so happy to be back because now I can focus yeah. a little bit more and go and go for football, but, and this is just my assessment of it, it just, it just seems like when Winfield went down and the way that everything played out with the Maryland game, mm-hmm. It just seems like their confidence has been shot since then. Absolutely, hundred percent. Like they they were playing those first. I mean, again, I get it. I I, I feel like I have to preface because all of a sudden the people are going to put me in the in the common man's preposterous statement. But they uh, they those first three games, and again, Miami's one of those opponents. New Mexico State's another. Uh, but they're running everywhere. They're flying everywhere. Uh, they're they're making tackles. They're intercepting passes. They're keeping people out of the red zone. I mean, they were average. They gave up twenty seven points in three game, three non conference games. That's nine points a game. Mm-hmm. They were like sixth of the country in points allowed heading into the Big Ten season, and clearly that was going to change as the competition level got better. Clearly, it was going to change when they lost Winfield, their most dynamic player, maybe on both sides of the ball. And this is a guy that was going to play some offense. I mean, he was going to be part of that Seth Green Wildcat, which would have been. He had a punt return for a touchdown. You probably saw the highlight. I think that was maybe just before you got back full-time. But anyway, it was great. Unbelievable. One of the great punt returns you'll ever see in week one. My highlight is the the inner, the uh, back of the end zone. It's crazy. That, that was ridiculous. Like, like the call, I made the call because I, I like intercepted. He came out of nowhere because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is, this is a tie game. That ball's in the air. It's a tie game, and bang, he makes the play. But, again, that shouldn't be... The drop off that shouldn't have been the season. That shouldn't yep. have been the season. Yep. Somewhere you're right. They lost the, the the confidence, and then as it started to continue to go south week after week, like I said, I think to cover up for s- some things where they think they're weak, they weakened every spot, and and now not only are were are these guys at least the last few weeks running around not playing with that confidence, they're running around. I think not sure. Exactly what they're supposed, where they're supposed to be, and yep. you can't play defense in any sport yep. if you're not sure where you're supposed to be. So I think the big emphasis this week, it sounds like, has been tackling. Get back to tackling because they. And it was funny because in the post game, PJ was talking to Guardsy and said, "You know, we missed some tackles," and I'm like. On three of those long runs, there were no tackles missed because nobody laid a hand on anybody. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it, it'd be nice to have a missed tackle on a couple of those plays. Just have somebody in Touch position, them. you know, yeah. just just someone there. So, uh, so that that that's where it had gotten. And I talked with Carter Coughlin a little yesterday, and he's like, "Yeah, of course it's demoralizing. Guy goes seventy-two on the second play of the game. I mean, I, you could hear my call. I was, you know, I mean, I'm all excited. Here we yep. are, you know. Hey, the Gophers get a win. They might, you know, snatch a bowl bid here in the next couple of weeks. And on play two. Gone. Play four, gone. And, yeah, you get demoralized. And then they tried, I think, all those guys are trying to do everything. And they just have to be, so better tackling, that, that's an emphasis. And then just do what you're supposed to do. Be in your spot. Yep. And if someone else messes up, compartmentalize that to a situation where it's not on you. you got to do what you are supposed to do. We're looking forward to the matchup. Hopefully we can pull off a shocker and upset against Purdue this weekend at TCF Bank Stadium. Uh the Grimmer's going to hang out for another segment. We're going to transition to Golden Gopher basketball yes. because they are one to know to start the year. We'll talk Gopher hoops with Mike Grimm here on the Lake Show next. You're listening to the fans. Pawn, he goes into the paint. Shot blocked by Oturu. Here come the Gophers. McGrath rifling ahead to coffee. Into the paint. Layup, no. Rebound down low. Oturu put back. Yes, sir. Chance 
opportunity. He now is in double figures with 10, and Gopher is leading 44-31, their largest lead of the night. All right, that's the voice of our guest, Mike Grimm, voice of Golden Gopher basketball as well as football here at the Lake Show. Henry Lake in for Paul Allen this Thursday morning. Uh, before we get to Gopher Hoops, um, a nice start to the uh, to the season for the uh, for the squad a couple of nights ago. Do want to mention this tweet from the Minnesota Wild. Uh, they have tweeted out about 45 minutes ago with heavy hearts. Minnesota Wild joins the hockey community in mourning the loss of former chairman Robert Nagley Jr., who passed away due to complications from cancer Wednesday night in the Twin Cities with his family by his side. Mm. So, Grim, you were the one that actually saw the tweet before I saw it. So, uh, our thoughts and prayers yeah, go out to, sure. to his for family. Sure. Yep. No doubt. Yeah, he helped uh, help bring hockey back to the state. Absolutely. All right, let's talk some uh, some some buckets. Um, last night, we got an opportunity, me, uh, Kyla Elamine, and Troy Bell got an opportunity to talk uh, hoops last night, and we talked a little bit about the Gophers and, and what we saw in the first game against Omaha, and also had uh, Marcus Fuller from the uh, Star Tribune yes. on to, as our first guest, but want to tra- chat with you about it because the score, 104-76, to 76, I know that you look at it and you see how lopsided it was, although it wasn't always that way. Right. I mean, there was some fight and some resistance from Omaha, who uh, who had, who played a good game um, early on. But all in all, you look at the talent that the Gophers have and, and, and where they're trying to go with the, 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 the depth that they have on the roster now. I think that the depth is what's impressive from my standpoint when you add and you mix in the new guys. But it is going to be something to watch this season because last year, and I mentioned this on the show uh, last year, I was all in. I thought that this squad was going to be contending for a Big Ten title. I thought that this team was going to um, go much deeper into the NCAA tournament than the year before. Yes. But it all fell apart. It all fell apart. And I know that the the Lynch thing, that, that, you know, Everything went sideways when that happened, and you had the injuries. You had Coffee get injured, and I know uh, Dupree, he had some injuries. So, so there was a lot of things going on. But hopefully this will be a bounce-back season. I just don't know. As much as I love what we're doing in terms of the talent, I'm trying to figure out what the expectations are. Because right now, I want to say, you know what, I think we should be vying for um, the NCAA tournament. Absolutely, I agree. And nowadays in Minnesota, no matter what the sport, you have to preface any expectation with assuming health. Mm-hmm. So let's assume health because that changes everything. Yep. Anyone who doesn't think, and even now, I you know, I'll talk with people, uh, just even passerbys, just people that want to ask me about basketball, and you know, wow, what happened last year? I was well. Did you not watch? I mean, anyone now who had any doubts about what uh, McBrayer meant and what Coffee meant just needed to watch the first half the other night. And you can't tell me if those two guys being healthy, uh, and then obviously Ed and Lynch, the best defensive big man in the Big Ten, you, no team can withstand what they withstood. Now, were they supposed to go 2-14 and 14 after they lost those guys? Probably not, but no. were they going to beat the tournament? No chance were they going to make the tournament or win a whole bunch of Big Ten games without those three. Um, with those three, they were 14-3. and three. They were ranked 11th in the country, and they had just beaten Illinois. Coffee got injured that night. The next day, the you-know-what hit the you-know-what with the Lynch. Yeah. Uh, he suspended, then ends up getting kicked out of school. And then uh, McBrayer ba- played, but you know he's basically dragging the the leg down the floor every time. He And he gutted out. I mean, the game at Penn State was amazing. One of the great performances, 
no one remembers it, but mm-hmm. one of the great performances of a guy dragging himself through an injury, and he, I forget, he scored like 24 in an overtime win and was, was crazy good in that game. Well, it looks like he's now back to full health. Coffee's got so many skills. He does. Uh, so I, I absolutely think that the tournament should be the expectation. Again, assuming health. Now, if all heck breaks loose and they lose, it, you know, even with the depth they have now, mm-hmm. which is better than it was a year ago, um, you know, you lose three of your top five players like they did last year, it's hard. I, mean, I remember Izzo talking to us uh, before the game when Michigan State came here. He's like, if I lost three of my top five, I don't think I'd win a game in the Big Ten. And it's probably true because at places like Michigan State, there's there's not depth there because big-time players will look and see there's big-time players there. So I'm going I'm going to go to another program that I can play right away. So they go seven deep at places like Michigan State and Louisville and some of these big places. And then they just replace those guys with big-time guys the next year. Um so it's hard to withstand that. Having said that, if they assuming health, I think they absolutely the expectation should be uh, that this team should should be in the tournament. The the Marcus Carr news is is a bit of a hit when that when he first announced, everyone assumed he wasn't going to be eligible anyway. Mm-hmm. But then the NCAA seemed to start letting you know anybody who applied for a waiver was getting a waiver. Exactly. So the hopes got started to get like, hey, if this if 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 uh, Smith from Illinois is going to be able to be eligible it's right away at Missouri, yes. There's no way that this kid didn't go through a similar thing. Uh, but yet somehow. You know, the Gophers get the shaft again from the NCAA. That said, I still think it can be a tournament team without him. Isaiah Washington looked really good the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11 assists. That doesn't happen very often. Nope. You know, you get, and not with him. I'm just saying in general in the Big Ten, you look at the number of double digit assist games for all teams last year, it wasn't very many. So I was going to ask you, that was my, that's where I was going next. I want to ask you about Washington because we all know that coming in last year, there was all the hype mm-hmm. about the Jelly Fam and all that stuff, whatever. And we all, we're, we're, we're captivated by his highlight reel and all that stuff, and he's coming out of New York, so he's he's got the pedigree, right? Yes. So last year, from my perspective, because um, I didn't think he played up to his potential last year, clearly, no. but, but he's, 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 a, he's a young kid. He's, he's going to mature. I saw him play in the Providence game, okay? And me and Troy talked about it last night. The Providence game, when I saw him play, and forget about what the box score says, the way that he played in that game, I was like, okay, we got something here. He won the okay. game. Yeah, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. I said yeah. we got something here, yeah. right? That's what. So, so it was stuck in my head when I saw that performance early on in the year. I said we got something here. Well, he didn't play really back to that the entire the rest. Of, he was very much out of control, not able to really run the offense the way that you would have liked. In terms of looking at him coming into a sophomore year, what do you think are the expectations from from uh, from Coach Patino? Because right now, Amir Coffey is essentially the guy that's starting. Yeah, and and he, he and Coffey's going to start. Now the mm-hmm. question is, will he start at point guard if Isaiah continues to play this way? And if so, then you know eventually, does that mean McBrayer becomes a bench player? Gabe Kalsher, Gabe, who started, yep. does he is he uh, coming off the bench? I do know Patino likes to have a little pop off the bench. That first sub coming in, if it's Isaiah Washington, that's not a terrible thing. Um, Kelsher's been really impressive, by the way, in the in his demeanor. I love his demeanor. We were talking about, like last night. Talk about these Minnesota guys. They they understand the game, and it's clear. The first, I mean, it takes three. Like I watched three trips up and down practice a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, 22 knows what's going on. He gets basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. he just has that demeanor. But in terms of Washington, so here's what I think happened a little last year. A combination of things. Um, he had a really good uh, scrimmage or the exhibition against Green Bay had like. I don't want to say 27 or 28 points, hit some threes, and 
everyone's like, this kid's good. I mean, yep. this kid maybe. I mean, he's going to push Dupree to start. And 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 after the Providence game, he did start a couple of games at, uh, for Dupree. So that heightened expectations. It heightened expectations. Then what happened is he couldn't hit a shot. Like he, I want to say he was maybe like two for thirty from three, and then he got mopey, right? And and it, it's hard to the kids a long ways from home, and it's easy for people who grew up in Minnesota or wherever to look and say, well, why is he? What's he got to be mopey about? Well, the kids hit two shots in a month and a half. Yeah, and his confidence is rattled, and the confidence is rattled, and I think. Uh, Richard Patino also had to learn a little bit that I got to deal. I, I got to I got to let him play a little because you know how coaches are control freaks. Um, although I will say I think Richard does a good job basically handling some of that stuff. But I think some of the things that that Isaiah was doing were driving Richard nuts, <laughs> and so he'd yank him quick, and then that doesn't help anything. And so it kind of got. And I think Richard's learned. Okay, I'm going to have to live with this because I'm going to get that if I do. And there's a give and take, and they're both learning. I think Isaiah's learning what the coach wants, and I think the coach is learning. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a little more rope now, and then I might have to pull it back a little now, a little more. And so it's an evolving thing. He had 26 against Michigan late last year. In fact, I think it was uh, nine of the last 11 games he scored in double figures. And so he started to hit some shots and hit some threes and gain his confidence. So um, if the worst thing that happens to him is he's a real good player coming off the bench this year, mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. That's not. Now, if he wins the starting job from somebody, if Gabe now becomes the guy, the role guy coming, and, and role is not the right term because that insinuates that it's not an, as important, uh, uh, then that's fine. I mean, a freshman coming off the bench with some good demeanor and grit and toughness and can hit the three and knock it down, that's not a terrible thing either. So I think it's a good situation, however it rolls. Mm-hmm. And Patino, I asked him in the pregame radio show, what about Amir playing point guard? And he's like, well, it's overblowing. Uh, if, if Amir gets a rebound, he's going to turn and run, and he'll run the point. If Amir happens to be on the side that Murphy gets a rebound and takes the outlet, he's going to run the point. But if Gabe's there for the outlet, Dupree's there for the outlet, if Isaiah's in there, they get the one, two, and the three are really interchangeable. Yep. And and you, you're, I know you're an NBA guy. You watch what the Warriors are doing, and I'm not again not to get into the posture statement comment. The Gophers are not the Warriors. Tom is listening, but there are all <laughs> kinds of teams now that are you 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 want three guys that can catch and run, rebound, get the outlet, go, um, and can play effectively interchangeable, yep. interchangeable. That's what the Warriors have, and clearly to help that you need some shooters, and I think. This is Patino's best shooting team, too. Yep. We're talking Gopher basketball here with the voice of the Gophers, Mike Grimm here on the fan. I, I know what I'm going to get out of Jordan Murphy. Mm-hmm. Okay, You know you're going to get a double-double or close. Okay, He's, he's, he's the rock. He's going to be solid. The guy that I'm all about watching this year, him grow, and I know he's just a pup, but it, but it's Daniel Atur. Mm-hmm. He, he's... Let's go back a couple of years. When I first saw him, he was playing Howard Pulley. They were in Kansas City for a tournament, and he was a rising sophomore. So he was he was going from freshman to sophomore year. And it's my first time seeing him play, and I was stunned. I said, "I because typically, what do we say? We say that yeah, we got great point guards, and then every now and then we'll get a good big man, right? Yes. Out, out of Minnesota, right? And." I turned to former Minneapolis North basketball star Jabbar Washington, mm-hmm. who was who was coaching with Pulley, and, and I said, I said, Jabbar, who is this? Because it's my first time seeing him. <laughs> right. And he says, Yeah, he's he's going to be really good. Yeah. And he has continued to grow. His game has gotten so much better. He's grown into his body a little bit more. Although he needs to still, still, add, still yeah, yeah still add. add some weight and all that. But I think that he has. There's possibilities for him to be special. And I'm, when I mean special, I'm talking about going make some money playing professional basketball because clearly he's. I think he's that good, especially on the defensive end. Yep. 
But to me, the biggest part of his growth here in the last year has been his offensive production. What do you expect out of him alongside Jordan Murphy in terms of just his overall game? Yeah, I think eventually he'll become a double-double machine, right? I mean, well, the highlight that Nordo played tells you what you need to know. If you hear the highlight without seeing it, I say, shot blocked by Oturu, outlet comes ahead, Amir takes it in, missed the layup. Now it was contested. And then who comes in and follows it up? The kid who blocked the shot 94 feet. So um, when you're blocking shots coming in, put back rebounds, um, that's where Murphy's game evolved two years ago. Uh, he had a really good freshman year. Then remember, he struggled some as a junior. And he and Patino had to sit down, <clears throat> excuse me, where Patino says, look, don't force the game. Mm-hmm. Just go in and, 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 and play your game. A lot of your points are going to come off putbacks if you just play your game. And so Turo's going to have that. He'll have... He'll become a double-double. I think he'll have many double-doubles this year, Assuming again, assuming health and everything else. It got a little scary there. He got fouled and limped up and down the court. They took him down underneath, but it sounds like everything's good with that. Good. Um, but defensively and rebounding-wise, the game is there already. Offensively, I think a lot of his stuff will come on putbacks and come on uh, if, if uh, they double Murph, which it looked like the other night they did all the time. Uh, and Jordan has become a better passer. Take that retreat dribble give some ground, and then open up a passing lane. Uh, he'll get, uh, Oturu will get some points, uh, and Murphy's going to get some assist if they continue to double, and obviously they're going to work on that. But that kid, so the other night, I forget what he had, 12 and 8, I think. Um, and Daniel had, you talking about Daniel? Yeah. He had 14 and 8. 14 and 8. Yep. And I'm, I remember driving home from the game thinking, 14 and 8, you can't expect that from a freshman big. You can't. But... I, I left the game thinking it could have been twenty and twelve. I mean, this is the kind of upside the, the young man has. So I'm very, I'm with you. I'm on the boat. I'm jumping in. I'm buying stock right now. Um, you know, and again, preposterous statement nominee. Uh, I, you know, I hope he stays four. Yeah. Right. No, he's an NBA talent. Yeah. I mean, that yes. that's the, you know as a he's as a really selfish well right golfer, now. Yeah. I mean, they're I mean, his family's probably saying, well, thanks a lot. I you know I hope he stays two and can go first round. If that's the case, beautiful. But if the Gophers get four years of really good play out of him, that'd be unbelievable. That'd he's be awesome. really good. Yeah, he's really and good. And has really good. I mean, the upside's huge. Yep. All right, we got a couple of minutes left. Um, my final question for you. We got three minutes left. When you look at this team and you evaluate this team. Who would you say is the leader, and who would you say going into it this season is probably, in your estimation, the X factor? The uh, I think it's an evolving situation on both fronts. Okay, I think Amir uh, is. I think Amir has the ability. The guys like him. You can tell they like him. I think he is um, a reluctant leader, and that's not a knock. He's a shy kind of shy. Um, uh, and even Patino last year talked a little about. Uh, he needed him to be more aggressive, even in his play on the floor, in that he loves to help the teammate. I'm going to pass him the ball. Even the other night, he had a drive along the baseline. I think he has a dunk if he just is aggressive, and he tried to pass it, got knocked out of bounds. And I think those are things that if he can become more assertive, uh, less reluctant to voice, and I think now he's a junior too, no Nate Mason around. Mm-hmm. Nate was clearly the leader the last couple of years. And so, as you know, it's, if you're a freshman and you got Nate Mason as an All-Big Ten junior, you're not going to do a lot of voicing no. and stuff. So I think that's evolving. I think Amir's probably can be both. I think he's the X factor, assuming he stays healthy. Um, the guy's just going to stuff the stat sheet, no matter if he's point guard or the three or what have you. If he mm-hmm. even had, I mean, that guy could even if they if they got in a bind, could play you know the the power forward for short stretches. I'm not saying he'd be a every minute power forward, but that's how versatile he is. So um, I think he also uh, you know can be the leader. 
uh, of the team. Murphy, too, um, and Jordan plays, uh, his leadership, I think, just comes in how he plays. He's, he's, I think it shortchanges him to say he's a junkyard dog because his skill set is better. I think my connotation of junkyard dog is just a guy that gets garbage points, and, and he, he will get that. But he's, his skill set's better than just a junkyard dog, so he's a junkyard dog plus. Um, but that's where his leadership comes. People can feed off that. He's so quick off the floor, it's amazing. And, and Spencer talked about this the other night where when he's closely guarded, he still gets open looks because the guy guarding him all of a sudden doesn't realize, boom, he's up and over and he's got a clear look at the basket from four feet because he can't match the the quick hop off the floor from Murph. And that's why he's a good rebounder out of his range. He's uh, Mbakwe's the best rebounder. Mike, to 13 years here, Mbakwe's easily the best rebounder right? that the team's had because he could go get the ball uh, that that no one thought he'd go get out of his range. And like to use the NFL vernacular, his catch radius on a rebound was crazy. Murphy's getting there, man. I mean, he he can go get the ball. He does a good job of anticipating. Um, so I think it's an evolving situation. But I think uh, I think Coffee's the guy that uh, can take over the leadership role and take over that X factor. Where um, if 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 he's of health, he's um, he he can do it all. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to the season. Hey, thanks so much for joining me yeah. in the studio. And uh, I know the next game is against Utah. I like the non-conference setup. You got Utah, you got Texas A&M, you got Washington, you got Boston College, and Troy was talking about yeah. that. And I love the fact that we'll be there. I think we're actually going to broadcast uh, Nothing But Net from um, U.S. Bank prior nice. to Oklahoma State. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, next Monday against Utah, um, Radio Home for Gopher Basketball. I'm looking forward to it. I will be at the barn Monday night. So. And let me real quick, if I can get 10 seconds. Yep. People have been begging for Patino to schedule a non-conference Power 5 home and home. So he did. Let's fill or at least get close to filling the place Monday with Utah coming to town. Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. I'll be there Monday. Sounds All right, good. that's the voice of the Gophers, Mike Grimm, joining us here on The Lake Show. Coming up next, though, Adam Thielen, he's changing the narrative for guys in the National Football League, and I love it. I'll tell you about that next. Cousin shotgun, two receivers left and right. Kirk throws to the end zone. Caught Adam Thielen, touchdown! Adam Thielen, back center of the end zone. It's 30-19, to New Orleans. Cousins back to pass, fires right, caught, touchdown! Henry Lake in for Paul Allen. PA's out today and tomorrow. Today it's me, tomorrow, in this big chair, the producer of the show, Eric Norquist. Yeah. He's uh, laying it down right now. I like that uh, that intro, man, to uh, hour number two. Adam Thielen, he is the topic of conversation here this segment. I do want to ask you a, a couple of questions before we talk about Adam Thielen. Sure. And I'm thinking about this here in the in the uh, in the break from um, our conversation with Mike Grimm. It sounds to me as though the common man Dan Cole, he has been terrorizing media members. It sounds like for the last couple of years with the preposterous statement tournament. And the reason why I I, I I think that is because on three occasions in that last couple of segments or last hour. Mike Grimm said he did not want to be in the preposterous statement tournament. Yeah, he okay? mentioned it a couple of times. He, didn't men- he? he mentioned it a couple of times. So, so is, is common? Is he? What? What's going? I love the preposterous statement tournament. I, I'm pretty sure at some point I will be a part of the field. 
I don't know that I've ever been. I don't think that I've been in the field yet. Now I know that I've, that I've been away, but even before I left, I don't think that I was ever seated and made the bracket. But what's going on here? Are people walking around on pins and needles, scared to say stuff because of Common? Maybe. I mean, Common Common holds people's feet to the fire. <laughs> I mean, if there's if there's anybody in town. That really just, you're either offering greatness or we're going to call you on all your faults. It's going to be the common man, Dan Cole, Dan Cole, noon to three. My goodness. Uh, in terms of, I mean, maybe that is just Grimm's personal fear. You know, I remember, I think it was either it was either last year or the year before where this happened. Win up hard for it! Do you remember Tyler Johnson? Um, it, it was a non-conference game, I think, and he caught... He caught this pass. It was third or fourth down. I forget what it was. Okay. But Tyler Johnson went up high for it. And so the Power Trip Morning Show spent the next six weeks saying, win a pie for it. Win a pie for it! And just terrorizing Grimm that way. Oh my so I think, I think Grimm is just, he's, he's worried that his words will be taken out of context yep. and people will... Win like the power trip did, yeah, and so in that, uh, you know, the fan, we 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 never run things into the ground. We never, no, we don't do that. We here. never take bits, no, we and, don't do that uh, and and do and utilize them long after they've they've lost relevance. So, I, uh, I think that's just a personal fear of his. Because I mean, the preposterous statement tournament that should be an honor. I mean, that should be an honor for you to step out there on that at that podium, say something so ridiculous. That a radio show, a popular one at that, will uh, will take the time to uh, recognize, acknowledge, and celebrate you for it. Yep. So Grimm should look at it for a prize. That uh, that Daniel Oturu is going to be the first overall pick in two years. Oh, he's not looking at it like that. No, he's not. He's terrified. <laughs> Mike is like, I no, no, I want no parts of the preposterous statement tournament. But I know they will all uh, be included in the field at some point in time. Adam Thielen. Got to talk about this guy. I know it's bye week for the uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, and we'll all just kind of chill out and we'll take advantage of uh, of the week off and just kind of watch our fantasy football teams and and see what else is going on with the other teams in the division. But when you look at his season and what he's doing, I know that we can look at the stats, okay? And I know how the stats read. It reads seventy eight receptions, nine hundred and forty seven yards. It's pretty okay? good, okay, with seven touchdowns. That's Pretty damn good. A TD in six straight games for Mr. Thielen. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Se- I mean, that for, for for a lot of really good receivers, that's their season. Okay? Yeah. And he's done that in the first half of the season. But this is where I'm at with Adam Thielen. To me, Adam Thielen is, he's changing the narrative for guys in the National Football League, and specifically white receivers. Okay? Mm. So, so... Adam Thielen, you know how it's been, like, and it's it's always been this way that we get into stereotypes when it comes to viewing um, a lot of football players, okay, or and, just and, even and, comparing comparing one to the other, comparing and contrasting, and it's not just football; it's 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 various different sports, but specifically football. Like when you see black quarterbacks, people will say, "Well, that that guy's a runner, right?" Yeah, and, and we know that Teddy Bridgewater, not. That great of a runner. Yeah, he scrambled on occasion. Patrick Mahomes can scramble on occasion, but Patrick Mahomes is not a scrambling quarterback. No. He is a, he is an outstanding pocket passer. Okay, that's what he is. Yep. Adam Thielen is changing the narrative of how people are viewing white receivers. And the reason why I say this is because typically you know how it's been tradition that if there's a breakout guy that's a wide receiver and he happens to be ca- ca- Caucasian, yeah. they will say, oh, Wes Walker. 
Right. They'll say, oh, Julian Edelman. Yeah. No. Cooper Cup probably Cooper uh, Cup. experiencing some of that right now. Some of the, What I've loved here the last three weeks are the national guys that we enjoy listening to that played the game. They are telling us, okay? They're telling all the fans. They're telling all the media members, do not put Adam Thielen in that box. The first guy that that was doing that about three weeks ago was Ryan Clark, and I love getting his analysis on ESPN. He was saying, stop describing him as tough, gritty. Yeah, he, he, he might be all of those things. He's a hard worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be all of those things. But don't just try to define him by just those those phrases that we're used to use using to describe a particular type of player. Yeah. Okay? And I love that from Ryan Clark. This past weekend, I heard analysis from Randy Moss as well as um who was the other guy? Michael Irvin. Michael okay? Irvin. Michael Irvin. And and Michael Irvin was really talking about Adam Thielen because he was talking about him being one of the top five wideouts in the National Football League. Is that he says don't view Adam Thielen as just a slot guy. Yeah. Like, he can do whatever you need him to do. And with all due respect to some other teams out there, when it comes to talking about wide receivers, I believe that here in Minnesota, we're blessed because I think we got two number two, uh, number ones. Yeah. All right. Not number twos. We got two number one receivers. I think that Stephon Diggs is a number one receiver. And I think that Adam Thielen is a number one receiver. Now, we're blessed that way. There are a lot of teams that don't even have really a one, one uh, top guy. We have two here. And I think that's awesome. But Adam Thielen is totally changing uh, the narrative that's being talked about and discussed when it comes to wideouts and, and just him being a, a white guy playing the position. Because we, we get caught up a lot of times and people want to do the stereotype thing. People are still doing it to this day with white cornerbacks. Where are the white cornerbacks? Look. We're all going to be blessed to see somebody play at a position that maybe is not typical of of just based on race. This guy doing certain things. Yeah, we got to get away from that, man. I've been getting away from that for a long, long time. Like the, like the the next uh, who Monday Night Football, the, the the Cowboys drafted a linebacker in the first round. Who did he get compared to? Brian Urlacher. Oh, of course, yeah, Leighton Vander Esch. Yes, yeah. Where at? No, that and you know the the cool thing about Adam is. He is a hard worker. He is all of those, you know, the cliched and the and the you know the the keywords that you go to. Uh, but he's possibly one of the best route runners in the NFL. Yeah, the athleticism, his ability to beat guys on the outside, one on one, the strength because he's athletic. He is athletic. <laughs> That's the thing. He's an athlete. Yes. And so, but you know, it's we we get into these ruts from a sports comparison standpoint, and it's easy to you know, hey, look at what uh, what Brady's doing with Julian Edelman, and we make that joke. You know, he's. He's more like a Wes Welker. He's more like a Julian Edelman. He's probably less of an Emmanuel Sanders, probably less of an Eddie Royal or a Tavon Austin. You know, we make those jokes all the time, but that's because it is such a cliche business in some cases that we're in. Uh, but what, Adam? I mean, just from the, the elite level play that we saw last year into how he's carrying himself now, and it's the numbers are stacking up the connection he has with Kirk Cousins, and whether Stefan's on the field or not. Uh, he's still proving the ability to get open, and he's proving the ability to uh, to produce. He's making highlight, elite-level uh, catches. You know, I was talking to you before the show. My favorite guy from just a pure catching standpoint in the NFL is DeAndre Hopkins. 
He gets bodied. He get the physical nature. He he thrives on contact. He'll go anywhere on the field through the middle, whatever, and he never drops that ball. Meanwhile, every single week we're seeing Adam Thielen like that catch he made over PJ Williams in the mm-hmm. Saints game. He's making those elite level body contact physical catches every single week. So he's not just you know the cool hard working white guy. Yep. He's an elite upper echelon, top-level receiver right now, and he's proven it statistically and stylistically on the field. And Michael Irvin brought this up, too, and I think that he, he made a great case for this, and I think you can make a great case for Adam uh, Thielen having the best hands in football right now. He might have the best pair of... We, what, what have we talked about for years? Who arguably had the best hands in football? Larry Fitzgerald Jr. Yes. Right now, you can make the case that Adam Thielen has the best pair of hands in terms of catching the catching the football in the entire league. He's Indeed. been that good. No, he, he'll lay out for catches. I mean, as accurate as Kirk can be, you know, he's had to leave his feet. It, last year with Case Keenum, prime example, Keenum spent so much time running out of the pocket, escaping pressure, or at least things broke down and he got skittish. And he's rolling out there, and Thielen's leaving his feet. He's jumping over guys. He's going shoulder-to-shoulder, winning 50-50 battles. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the stat is thus far in 2018, but I remember both Diggs and Thielen were among the top receivers in the NFL in winning contested catches. And so you could definitely make that argument. And I mean, it's tough. I mean, Larry's HOF, and if he didn't have Josh Rosen throwing to him, he might still be putting up those stats oh uh, in 2018 again. But uh, Adam Thielen, absolutely as good as it gets. Uh, from a reliability standpoint, playmaking standpoint, route running standpoint, uh, he's not just a white guy. Uh, he's a badass football player. Who is your favorite member of the Vikings? Like, favorite, like who's, who's, your, who's your favorite player? My favorite player on the Vikings right now is probably, I mean, it's it's been Harrison Smith for several years. Um, I like the understated nature of how he goes about his business, mm-hmm. makes great plays. He just turns around and walks away on to the next one. Um, I love I love the hard hitting. I love what his versatility is. He's playing center field. He's coming up in blitz. I mean, just you know, the the best player on that defense for me is is Harrison Smith, and I, and I love him. Yeah, I uh, the thing I love about the Vikings right now is that there's so many likable guys. Yeah. on this roster, and Harrison Smith is right up there at the top. I'm a big fan too. I guess my favorite guy though right now is Xavier Rhodes. I'm just a he he is. To me right now, he's the best cornerback in the league that doesn't get the attention that he deserves. Well, the the cool thing about Xavier, too, is when he was first drafted, and, and we'd go down to Fankato uh, for training camp, do the 9 to noon shows, and you'd see Xavier. He's as quiet as it gets. You know, he just shows up. He's got a big smile on or whatever, but he kind of keeps to himself. And kind of watching the personality evolution of Xavier, you know, gets paid still. You know, he's, he's, not, a, he's not a massive trash-talking guy at yep. all. Uh, he's emotional on the field. You know, we saw it him versus Michael Thomas in the playoff game last year. Uh, but but he'll fight with anybody. You know, punch for punch, man. You know, on that the line. Odell Beckham stuff that we saw. He to, yeah. to, to me he is oh because because he can be a bully oh, on, yeah. on, on wideouts. To me he is Jalen Ramsey without the trash talk. Ooh, that's not that's not a bad comparison at all. Seriously, he 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 he, he will bully receivers around. And he will back up everything, but he doesn't need to talk all that much. He's like, no. man, come on, man. No, Let's play the game. He's quiet. The one thing, and you know, a couple of Florida State kids there too. Yeah. Um, the one thing with with Xavier that that it shouldn't it shouldn't worry me per se, but he has the ankle bit this year. Last year, it was kind of an ongoing thing. Almost all season, he was dealing with a calf problem, and you'd see him kind of limping off the field. He's mm-hmm. got to take five plays off, then he comes back in. Uh, that's the only thing. 
uh, that worries me about Xavier. Yeah, that was a hell of a sprained angle against, against the Jets, though. Oh, pure <laughs> ugliness. Thank God for the bye. Uh, but Xavier's cool. I mean, you know, talking about understated but brilliant is, I mean, the, the epitome of that right now is Daniil Hunter. Yep. I mean, Daniil, you know, he's the guy after the game in the locker room where, you know, piddly radio guys like me are running around trying to put a microphone in somebody's face so Greg Coleman can talk to him or just get a quick audio bit. I mean, he does not want to talk. He just wants to go out He's there a monster. and just beat people up. He makes fit people feel fat. Well, his rookie, his his from his Gosh. rookie season to his second year, I had heard that he had basically spent half the offseason just mashing in the weight room. Mm-hmm. I mean, those arms. I mean, he's he's absolutely cut out of stone. Ridiculous. And, uh, I mean, he's on pace. He should be considered uh, a guy in the running for defensive player of the year. Agreed. The tough thing is, though, is he's got to go up. I mean, if stats are similar, you're going to pick Aaron Donald. Exactly. You're going to pick J.J. Watt. I mean, those are the big personalities, the big names. I mean, Aaron just got that $140 million contract. But uh, but if the numbers, I mean, if he can keep doing what he's doing. He'll be in the conversation. He should be, for sure. Yep, know? yep. All right, we started the show with some controversy uh, in regards to locker room etiquette. Yeah, Jim Chronicles. Yeah, so, but now we're going to transition to etiquette in the sport of basketball. I'll explain after the break. Next. You're listening to The Fan. KFAN Total Traffic. From the Holiday Station Stores Traffic Center, here's a look at the roads. 494 eastbound and exited to Delaware has been moved to the right shoulder. Also, a couple of accidents have been cleared. One on the ramp from 694 eastbound to southbound 35W. And on westbound 94, crash cleared after Cedar Avenue. That's traffic on the fan. This report is sponsored by the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer. Ready for a bad cold and flu season? Knowing when it's the flu can make a big difference in knowing when to call your doctor. The best way to tell is that the flu brings a fever. So be prepared with a thermometer you can trust. The Exergen Temporal Scanner backed by more than 70 clinical studies. Hey, the fan and Green Mill are going to be hooking up listeners with the delicious grub they need for their next at-home tailgate party. Just go to KFAN.com and make the keyword contest for your shot at a $150 Green Mill gift card for your tailgate. Now, who's hot, who not? Tell me who rock, who sell out in the stores? You tell me who flop, who cop the blue Back here on the fan, Henry Lake, Eric Nordquist in for Paul Allen today. Nordor, going to be holding down the fort tomorrow from 9 to noon. It'll be uh, it'll be a lot of wild hockey-related things. Back-to-back okay. Kings tonight, Ducks tomorrow night. A bit of hoops. Okay. I have uh, Johnny Athletic, John Krasinski, joining me, and uh, we'll chat. What I kind of want to do, just because I'm so annoyed with the Timberwolves right now, <laughs> is I just I just I want Johnny Athletic to talk to me about why the Nuggets are off to a hot start. I want to hear what's going on in the Eastern Conference and if any of those teams resemble a squad that can compete with the Warriors. And then maybe on the back end, hey, has Jimmy been traded yet? Call it a segment. My gosh. This whole I'm Our telling you, hoops team is just awful right now. The, the the it's going to be frustrating until he gets traded, but it's it, this is what it is, man. Yeah, and and me and Khaled and Troy talked about it last night on Nothing But Net. But you don't rush into anything. Take your time. Put it like this: Are the Wolves with Jimmy Butler winning a ring? No, no they are not. No, you're not winning a ring this year. 
The Golden State Warriors are the team to beat, and we're not on their level. So don't rush into making a bad trade. Just take your t- your damn time. But are you but are you losing trade value the longer that this melodrama holds nope. out? Nope. Okay. You're not. You're not. I, I think I think that when you look at the way things have shaken out um, with Jimmy Butler, I think that his value has increased a little bit. Put it like this: in the span of what a week and a half. We heard about a potential deal including four first round picks. With the Rockets, yeah. I, I think the value could go up a little bit more, especially when you when you have him playing the way like he's played in the last week. Do we want that? Do we want four first round picks? I mean, basically every other year, right? For the next mm-hmm. six, seven years. Am I in love with that deal? I'm not in love with it if I have to take on Brandon Knight. But if you tell me that we will trade you Eric Gordon. And four first-round picks, I'll take that. Yeah, there's got to be a player involved, I will take right? that. It has to be a player because you have to have salary involved. But if you're saying that Gordon's the guy, if, if and I know the Rockets don't want to give him up because he's he's a, he's a, a big piece to what they're doing, and he was spectacular for them last year. What about Clint Capella? Oh, they would never do that. No, I know. No, they would never. <laughs> what? That's the guy I what? want. That's what? the guy I want, though. I mean, I mean, do you want James Harden, too? <laughs> we might win. Are they offering? Hey, give us give us two ones in James Harden. We'll, we'll gladly do the deal today. We talked about etiquette in the gym to start the show. Now I want to talk about a little bit of etiquette when it comes to basketball. On whatever the level is, it doesn't matter if it's 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 middle school kids playing basketball. It doesn't matter if it's high school, if it's if it's college, lifetime the, rec league, yeah, professional lifetime rec league. If 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 it's a time if it's if it's a time deal when, when you're when you're when you're doing the whole like you play to fifteen, that's different. Okay, all right. But this situation that arose a couple of days ago, Nordo with Jamal Murray. It's, oh, something, yeah. it's something that, I, that I, I have to chime in on this because I felt like a lot of people were trying to crush Kyrie Irving for what he did, and I'm not really in the camp that's going to crush him. So if you didn't see what happened a couple of nights ago, so the Denver Nuggets play, and the Denver Nuggets are really good right now. They've only lost one game on the season. They played the Boston Celtics and defeated the Boston Celtics in Denver, and at the end of the game... Jamal Murray wanted the basketball, and Kyrie Irving had the basketball. Now, the reason why Jamal Murray wanted the basketball was because he had a spectacular game. He scored 48 points, okay? 48 points. At the end of the game, though, the basketball happened to be in the hands of Kyrie Irving. So Jamal Murray, at the end of the game, and they're up, I want to say they were up by like eight points, okay? It was 115-107 maybe. So okay. yeah, 8 points. Yeah, so yeah, 8 yeah. points. And, and 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 there's essentially no time left on the clock, okay? It's it's the waning seconds. The game is is over essentially and the Celtics knew it was a wrap. What does Jamal Murray do? He's got 48 points. He chucks a shot up at the end of the at the buzzer. Yeah. To try to get 50. And you know what? He pissed off Kyrie Irving. Well, you know what happened then? He walked over because Kyrie had the basketball, pissed off about the about the shot that he took that he shouldn't have taken. And he wanted, like there was somebody on the staff that came over and wanted to get the ball from Kyrie saying that Jamal wants the basketball because he wants to, he wants it as a keepsake, right? 
And Kyrie's like, what? Man, get out of here with that, man. Yeah. How disrespectful are you to take a shot and chuck up a shot here at the end of the game at the buzzer? Nah. And he says, you want the basketball? So Kyrie Irving tossed the basketball, okay, which you typically don't see. You'll see football players hand out footballs or throw footballs in, in the stand. Right. But he chucked the basketball up into, like, the second level in the stands in the arena. And the quote from him was, because he got fined for it, okay, for, for chucking yeah, the 25000 25000 He says, quote, the fine was well-deserved. There's a sense of professionalism that you have to uphold within this league, and I failed to do so. So I take full responsibility for it, okay, via the uh, NBC Sports Boston. From a competitive standpoint, I think the ball absolutely deserved to go into the stands. You just don't play basketball like that, and it's as simple as that. You just don't. There's a tradition and a respect within the league as well as within any basketball game. Obviously, you've won the game, have it sealed, had a great game, the game of your life, and then you do something like that. It's just petty. It's immature, but we'll see him again, though. My take on it is Kyrie was in the right in terms of getting upset. Now, in terms of chucking the basketball, whatever. He, he did what he did, okay? Yeah. But in terms of being upset about it, I think he has every right to be upset about it. Because we know that with basketball etiquette, when the game is over and it's and it and it's a wrap for one um for one team and you are dribbling out the basketball, you do not shoot at the basket. You just don't do it. I've I've dealt with Bill uh Bill Self at Kansas. He got upset with one of his players <laughs> for for trying to make a layup or a dunk at the end of a game. Yeah. And he he I'm, I'm talking about he was up, he was livid about it in the press conference. He called it horse crap. Yeah, you don't do that in basketball. So, so I'm with Kyrie on this. Where do you stand? Well, I'm I'm with him too, but not necessarily just because of the tradition of it. But I think that in some cases, reputations start to build and manifest themselves over you know because there's not there's not. 2,000 or 2,500 players in this league. I mean, it's it's a game of five. These are 10, 12-man rosters. You get to know these guys over the course of these seasons, and they're closely knit in a lot of cases. What I'm gathering just from reading more about it, Jamal Murray might be a turd. <laughs> so, like, when you think about Rasheed Wallace, right, or, uh, or Boogie Cousins, you know, they would gain reputations with referees. And so they would come into a game with a shorter leash than others, which is why... Mo, uh, both are very well known for gaining technical fouls. I think earlier this year, whatever Boogie said, he was ejected from the bench. He wasn't even playing that night uh, with the Warriors. And they sent him to the showers, and he was wearing a suit. So you develop this reputation. And what I've, get, what I've gathered is that Jamal Murray, over the last year and change, I think this is his third season now, mm-hmm. um, and he's getting really damn good, by the oh, way. He's really I mean, good. that game that he had was unbelievable, and he's big reason why the Nuggets are good. Um, imagine if you took him over Chris Dunn. Yeah, I'm imagining it. <laughs> well, frankly, at this stage, imagine what if we still had Zach Levine, who's dropping 40 on people right Agreed. now with that trade. Agreed. Uh, and and Dunn, by the way, defensively, getting better. Okay, I mean, he's, he's evolving a little bit, maybe not at the pace that Tibbs wanted and got rid of him. Uh, but Jamal has some issues with maybe trash-talking when things are going his way. He's got some immature kid to him because he's 21 and he's making that cash and he's growing and he's being good and he was from the highly touted Kentucky squads with Coach Cal and all that. So part of me is like, first of all, Kyrie from a tradition standpoint, yeah, chuck that thing into the stands. But we're not talking about a person who 
is just quiet, happy-go-lucky, young NBA player. This is a guy, it was almost a little bit of like, hey, know your role, son. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, I was with LeBron, and we were playing game sevens and winning titles, and uh, you and the Nuggets, you're a cute little team, and it's a fresh little start, and you just beat us, and that's nice, but you're being a turd. So stop being a turd. And so, uh, Jamal, for me, there was there's an immaturity to it that goes yep. beyond the tradition, and it's a little bit of gaining the gaining the reputation of being an ass. Yep. And so I think that gets under the skin of guys like Kyrie, who are now in Boston trying to do what he did in Cleveland and you know professional operations. So uh, I have no problem with what Kyrie did. Me neither. All right, coming up next, will a Minnesotan be linked to the Fab Five? Hmm. People are curious about that. I'll explain it next. You're listening to the fan. The fan, Chris Hockey, and M Health are asking you to help raise awareness for men's health with your Movember mustache. Tweet a picture of your Movember stash and use the hashtag KFANMHealth. Help a great cause. Plus, you'll be automatically registered for your shot at $50 off gameplay at Topgolf. MHealth.org for more information. Back with you here on the fan, Henry Lake in for Paul Allen. Holding down the fort. Nine to noon. The Fab Five, those were the days. I remember being, because we were all the same year, okay? The Fab Five, they were when they were freshmen, I was a freshman. This was 91-92 year of college. I'm at Morehouse in Atlanta. Those guys are rocking it out in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Well, the Fab Five was just in my youth, in in you know, my generation, that was a special group of guys. It was. It was special to watch Jalen and Chris and Ray and the the rest of the crew do their thing, and they really brought a lot of swagger and a ton of attention to college basketball. Like, even if you weren't the biggest college basketball fan before that, which I already was, because you, you love squads like, you know, you, you you love the traditional teams that were that were really good. You love the, you know, the Kentuckys, you watch them, you would watch Duke, uh, just absolutely love the running Rebels of UNLV. So there were a ton of great college basketball programs, Louisville, Kansas, um, and I love Kansas Jayhawk basketball. But when Michigan emerged on the scene with the Fab Five, that was just special, man. And it was like something that we really hadn't seen before. Like that, the the level of talent of freshmen going to one university that year, people were just, their minds were blown by it. Okay. And it was funny because my freshman year, one of the uh one of my buddies in my dorm, uh Damon Harvey, he was really good friends with Chris Weber because they both went to Detroit Country Day. Okay? So so they graduated together. And so on their their trek to go to the final four, they came through Atlanta. Like that that was that was their path to to, to get to the final four that year, right? Yeah. And so so when they when they showed up in Atlanta, um, we went down to the practices at the Omni, and we we all hung out, and we got a chance to meet everybody. Jawan and Jawan was like my favorite dude at the time because Jawan was just the most chill, laid back cat of the crew. 
C-Webb was cool, but he was a little bit like he thought he was kind of the rock star of the group. I, oh, yeah. J- Jawan, to me, was the, the most chill cat. So we, we all hung out and continued to hang out over the course of while those guys were at Michigan. And even when they went out to the pros, when Jawan was with the uh, – the Washington at the time, the Bullets before they got to be the Wizards. Um, every time he would come back into town, we would all uh, meet up at the hotel and go hang out and, and, and you know go we'll go to the game and stuff like that, whatever. And then hang out afterwards because it's the ATL. That's what you do. Yeah. So they really, I think they they drew so much attention to college basketball that they became a movement in itself. You know what I'm saying? In terms of like a freshman class, no doubt about it. Well, right now. The freshman class at Duke, many people are comparing them to the famous Fab Five, and they're saying that this is the new Fab Five. We look at what's going on with Duke. Now, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson, and Trey Jones, one of us, that's four guys. But when you look at how good they are, Essentially, whoever you throw in there, whether it's 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 you know a guy that's been there a couple of years, doesn't matter. You've got a fabulous five group uh, of, of five uh, members of your basketball team that's spectacular in terms of your starting roster. I watched Duke a couple of nights ago. Okay, so Tuesday night it was all about Gophers. It was all about Duke versus Kentucky, and you're talking about Kansas, the number one team in the country, versus Michigan State, and. Everybody knows I'm a big time and have been for a long time Kansas Jayhawk fan. Okay, number one team in the country. Okay, they are different from Duke in that they have some more veterans on their, you know, on on their roster. Yeah. Than maybe some of these other college basketball teams and Legero Vic and um, Yudoka Azabuki. So they got some guys that have been around college basketball. Okay, Coach Self likes to mix in a couple of juniors and a senior here and there with some talented freshmen. Duke and their freshmen, from what I saw, and they're the fourth ranked team in the country. I think that next week, when the when the next polls come out, that Duke will be the number one team in the country because what they did and what they put on display this week against Kentucky. Oh, by the way, the score was one eighteen to eighty four. Yeah, they buried Cal's kids, and that doesn't happen to Cal's program a lot. Kentucky no. doesn't get shellac like that. Now, in their defense. They still put up 84 points. It's still Kentucky. But that was something special. And Duke has a special group of guys right now. And we all know what Trey Jones um, can be at the point guard position. And he, he, I thought he played a good game the other night. For him, it's about his leadership ability. It's about defending and finding guys to get them the basketball. But this Zion kid, maybe he's better than we all expected because – what have we been seeing from him the last couple of years? We've been seeing the highlights. We've yeah. been seeing the flashy dunks. He's he's basically the nation's version of our local version of Isaiah Washington. Because remember, it's the whole Jelly Fam stuff, whatever. Yeah. Well, Zion's... A little bit of flair to the bit, sure. Exactly. But he's got more to his game than that. And then when you look at R.J. Barrett, he potentially is going to be the number one overall pick. Best player in, in Canada, going to Duke. Cam Reddish, one of the top shooting guards in all college basketball. This might be the Fab Five Part Two. That's Oof. how good they were. It's a murderer's row of talent. Yes, it is. Now I like, I like, I mean, Zion is is unbelievable, but RJ Barrett, I loved watching him. I mean, he's the best player. They're they're going to be able to outscore everyone. Can they defend well enough to beat teams by thirty like they did to Cal's bunch the other night? 
Um, but I mean, Trey already kind of fits in. You mentioned, yep. you know, and and I asked you this floor general because I because you you pay attention to it more closely than I have historically. So understanding the differences of Trey and what I need to expect from him at Duke versus what I knew about Tyus. I've always known more about Tyus than Trey and what I saw from him when he went to Duke. Uh, but he fits in perfectly to that mix. I mean, that's the that's the one thing too. Like Cal. And I look at Kentucky because he's had some amazing freshman classes. But the thing is, is he looks for the best player, you know, the best five or six freshmen. He throws them on the court. Mm -hmm. And part of his growth process is, well, we're going to take some L's right away. And then I'm going to figure out what these 18-year-olds can do three months from now. And he kind of puts it all together and he adjusts on the fly. But this was, it's almost like from from Coach K's perspective, he's like, I want to find... You know, the best freshman big man in the country that I can find in the, in the athlete in Zion, as massive as that creature is. And then R.J. Barrett, his shooting ability. And then, oh, wait, I need a guy that's cool with getting him the ball all the time because I can't have five people scoring 30 points every game. And Reddish I gotta, can knock down perimeter shots. And there's Reddish right there. So the, the, the ability of what he did is just developing a starting five of freshmen that he loves, and, it, and at least for a game. And at least for the blowout against Kentucky, I mean, they, they are just studs. They, they, they look special. I mean, yeah. as, as a collection, like a lot of times people will put a bunch of talented freshmen together and then they're not really sharing the basketball the way that they should and it takes some time. No, that was game one. They had pretty good chemistry. They look now, very good together. Now, now I'm going to give some, a lot of the credit to Trey because I think that Trey's that good. He is a floor leader. He is a. There, there was an article from... Adam Zagoria, who uh, who covers basketball, uh, specifically college basketball. I know that he uh, talks to a lot of scouts, but he put out an article um, the next day in which he spoke to a bunch of um, NBA uh, scout people about all these different guys, right? Yeah. This is what the scouts had to say to him about Trey Jones. Scout number one, solid college guard. He keeps him organized, a vocal leader. He needs to become a more consistent jump shooter. Okay, that was scout number one. Scout number two, coach on the floor, makes no mistakes, gets the ball right where it belongs every time. He plays like a 32-year-old veteran. Whew. That That's what they're saying about Trey Jones. You look at Zion Williamson, okay, and we all saw what he did a couple of nights ago. Scout number one, powerful, athletic. I would just say based on Tuesday night, that's the hardest I've seen him play on both ends of the floor. He's got a quick first step, and he's just powerful. He's too powerful for these college guys. I don't know how any college team is going to guard him one-on-one. Scout number two, spectacular talent, number one fan favorite, great dunker, great explosion, quick off his feet, great strength, surprisingly good passer. He's a great basketball player. He showed that Tuesday night against some outstanding Athletes and the guy that is better than any of them is R.J. Barrett, and he's most likely going to be the number one overall pick. Yeah, I mean it's it just all I'm saying to people right now is because I'm a basketball fan. Okay, yeah. if you are a basketball fan, pay attention to Duke basketball this year because you're not going to see squads like this all the time. Like play at this level. Now we've seen teams that were extremely talented. That were put together because remember, even Kentucky, they had John Wall, they had Demarcus Cousins, they had Eric Bledsoe. My they, God, they had a whip. Yeah, but they didn't have the chemistry to start like this. Because right. remember, they went to the NCAA tournament and they faltered that year. 
this team has the makings of being a very special team that can make a phenomenal run. No one's going to be surprised to see Duke in Minneapolis. No one's going to be surprised to see Kansas in Minneapolis. I don't think that anybody would be. You, you mentioned it earlier, off-air. You wouldn't be surprised to see Kentucky in, in Minneapolis. They're going to figure it out and be a factor. There's no doubt Coach about Cal's it. teams always get better throughout the season. Yeah. Okay. They get they'll be better much later. Another program where they always get better in season is Michigan State. I mean, yeah. those programs are just they're monsters. They're juggernauts. Yeah. Now, now who's going to be the other programs that will be in that Final Four conversation? I don't know right now. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Now can now can this version of the Fab Five? Because I mean, this is a tremendous group that Coach K has. Can this Fab Five do what the other Fab Five didn't and actually cut down the nets at the end of the entire bit? Because mm-hmm. they stubbed their toe against Duke. Yeah. Was Leitner on the 91-92 team? I forget. Yeah. Okay, and then the following year, I think it was Dean Smith and the Tar Heels. They, yep, yep. So can can this Fab Five close the deal? Can they finish it off? Whew. Oh, I think that they're capable. Oh, certainly, B- yeah. Because, because th- think about this now for a second. Think about this for a second. As talented as this team is, are they going to be facing a Duke with a Christian Leitner and a Hurley and those guys, and a Grant Hill, those type of guys? Probably not. No. Will they be facing a North Carolina team that was off the charts back then? Yeah. I, Probably I, not. I, I don't. I, I looked at Kansas, number one team in the country. I don't know if they're as talented as those teams. Kansas is going to be pretty good, and they're going to get better. And I think that the, the one thing about Kansas is going to be their post players – because they've got some, they've got some veteran guys in the post, and Dietrich Lawson, I think he's overrated nationally. I think he had a, he had a good game, although I don't think that he's all that in a bag of chips the way that people are talking about on the on the broadcast. But he's a really good player. It's going to be interesting to see how all of this unfolds. But what we saw Tuesday night, people, don't be surprised if you see any any of those four teams land in Minneapolis. It'll be fun. You're you're a massive rock chalk fan. Is there frustration sometimes with Bill Self as he constantly has these teams that are so highly touted? Yes, and the the underachieving uh, yes. tradition, or I shouldn't say the tradition, but the recent trend of of Bill Self is they can't close the deal in March. Absolutely, that 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 has been a deal. Oof. That 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 Jayhawk fans get pissed off. Now, look, it's it's all about when you get into your feelings because the majority of the time it is. Look at how many conference titles they've won in a row that that, that you know that, that's the conversation but then yeah. then after march people are talking about he choked he choked that's why last year them getting to the final four was such a big deal because that's one of the worst teams that bill self's had really yes <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the worst teams that bill self has coached and they were able to get to the final four wow <laughs> Even as a even as a Kansas fan, did I expect them to win that game against Marvin Bagley and Duke last year? No, I did not. I didn't think that that was going to happen. It happened, and I was happy. We're headed to the Final Four, baby. That was an, that was uh, was that the God, not an OT game, was it? I'm trying to remember. That was I, yeah. That was yeah. That was the OT game, and that was Grayson Allen had a couple Grayson opportunities Allen, yep. late, and he bleeped it up. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was that was the bit. But when you look at Kansas Jayhawk basketball. Yeah, of course. There's so many fans that are just a little bit frustrated. Bill Self, put it like this. I would not be, from the people I've talked to, I would not be shocked if we see Bill Self in the NBA in the next year or two. Oh, my gosh. 
Whoa! Well, he's going to have to wait another year to win a national championship with this group down in uh, down in Durham. Could, could, could. Huh? Or Duke, excuse me. No, 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 I'm talking about Bill Self. Yeah, he's going to have to wait because they're going to get beat by the Blue Devils See, in the tournament it, again. But, but, but could Bill Self be the eventual coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves? Hmm. I wonder. Wow. He's going to end up in the NBA at some point. I think the betting money is that he ends up being the coach of the Spurs after Pop is gone because he's got some connections there. But will we take him here in Minnesota? I know that I would. All right, coming up next, a couple of guys coming in studio. We got Caleb Truex, professional boxer, going to join us. He's coming in with Ben Lieber. Ben Lieber's going to hang out for a couple of segments because we're going to talk Viking football with him in about 20 or 25 minutes from now. But coming up next, though, we want to talk about a really cool deal that's happening next week. It involves boxing in one of the bigger movies that we're going to see for the year that is 2018. We'll talk about Creed 2, and we'll do that with Caleb and Ben next. All right, we're about to kick off the final hour of Lake Show in for Paul Allen today on this Thursday morning. Eric Norquist in tomorrow for PA. And now here in this final hour, we're going to talk some boxing, then we'll transition to a little football with uh, Ben Lieber. Ben Lieber joining us in studio, as well as Caleb Truett, professional boxer, joining us. we got a cool event coming up next week that we want to talk about and discuss. But, uh, guys... Happy to see Caleb for the what second or third time since I've been back home. This is my first time seeing you. Uh, I know. I know. What's going on, man? Not much, man. It's good to see you. Nice it's to good, see you it's too. Good to hear you. You know, we've <laughs> we've talked a few times when you're in Kansas City to yep. talk a little college football. And you've but... been on the show when I filled in. Um, was last month yes. for PA. Yep. Yes. Yep. 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 So yep. anyway, it's good to finally see you again. Absolutely. Yes. Likewise. Likewise. All right, we got something really cool that we need to talk about. Okay, and it's next week, and we can't divulge all of the information in regards to like location and whatnot, whatever. But a special event going on where Creed Two, okay, the movie is is premiering, and we and we got a screening that we're all going to be a part of. You guys are actually hosting the screening, which is going to be awesome. And there's a lot of young people that will get an opportunity to go and check out the movie. Was it like a week in advance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in, eight in, days in advance. Yeah, eight days in advance mm-hmm. in, in terms of watching this movie. And the first one was super popular, and everybody loved it. Now Creed Two is coming out um, um, in a couple of weeks. You guys are hosting it. I'm going to do a Q and A with with, with, uh, with you guys afterwards. But uh, talk a little bit about what's going on uh, with this uh, special screening next week, Caleb. I'm really excited about it. Uh, MGM they invited me to uh, host the screening, and uh, we reached out to, to Ben to uh, kind of join us, and, and you as well. And and we're just going to get a bunch of kids, uh, a bunch of kids from boxing gyms around the area. Uh, my gym likes ACR. Um, uh, uh, Circle of Discipline in South Minneapolis, mm-hmm. Northside Boxing, um, Sir Boxing in St. Paul. So we just want to get a bunch of kids and just check it out. And and uh, also some kids from North Minneapolis High School and, and my high school, Osseo High School, are going to come out too, I believe. So uh, it's going to be a cool event. Um, we've been uh, kind of uh, keeping it under wraps until now, so it's uh, it's cool to, uh, to kind of let the cat out of the bag. Um. I'm excited because um, not only is it going to be a, a fun event for all the for the kids, 
I've never really done anything like this where I get like special privileges to see a movie before it comes out. What? So even I'm kind of. <laughs> I haven't either, like, man. <laughs> yeah, like hold on, you Ben Lever, you've, you've never <laughs> gotten, never... You've, never, you've never been to a screening before. No, really? No, I'm shocked by that. Yeah, so so like I I like this opportunity to kind of like see something before anybody else does, especially this type of movie. Um, and for the kids, like they not only get to see a movie before. It ever comes out. Anybody else gets to see it. You get popcorn. You get soda. You get to hang out with us a little bit after the show. Uh, we'll do some Q and A. Uh, we'll talk about life. Whatever you guys want to ask us, we'll get to hang out and, and, and talk. So the interaction is going to be unique. The screen is going to be unique before anybody else. I love the popcorn. Like I can't, I can't not, <laughs> I can't not watch a movie and not have popcorn. So, really? Like I'm into that part of it as well. So I'm pumped. It's going to be a lot of fun, and um, especially since I started boxing just as a workout. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, these type of movies, like boxing movies now, I, I watch it with a different lens. Yeah. You know, it not only for the inspiration and for like, you know, some of the hardships and the storylines and stuff like that, but knowing like, I'm looking at you, Caleb, like what you have to go through as a boxer. Like <laughs> I'm doing like just this like, you know, gym class where it's just eight rounds and I'm dying, right? Mm-hmm. And you're watching these professionals and how they go through it. And then hearing your stories, I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. I don't know how you guys train to get into a ring yeah. and then get then get hit. Um, so, yeah, I watch uh, all these boxing things now with a whole different perspective. Yeah, it's uh, The first movie was fantastic. I liked it. And and uh, for me, it's tough to, to watch boxing movies sometimes because a lot of them are just so... So fake, you know, like uh, the the fight scenes and just the stuff that goes on behind the scenes isn't what happens in real life. And Creed Creed One was pretty cool, man. It was uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, they put in the movie was was uh, legit and authentic. And they had fighters, uh, actual fighters that were like the opponents that that um, mm-hmm. uh, the main guys were fighting. So uh, so not made, actors, like yeah, like fighters. actual fighters. Yeah, Andre Ward was in it. I think uh, uh, Gabriel Rosado was in it. Another middleweight fighter. So. Um, hopefully they do that with this time too. I'm not sure if they'll just have uh, the the one fight between uh, Drago's kid and and uh, Adonis's kid, but uh, uh, we'll see, man. You know, one of the things that I love, and and it, look, because you guys are both my home, my homeboys, and I love everything about you guys. You guys are awesome men uh, with great families and stuff like that. But this event and what it is in terms of like the screening with the kids, to me, is is unique from this perspective. Um, since I've been back and everybody knows I like doing a lot of community stuff, whatever. And then that's the reason why I'm a, a part of this with you guys now and, and Sean Jensen reaching out to me. But right now I'm doing a lot of work with, um, with some kids like in, uh, in Richfield, um, in their school, Richfield STEM. And one of the things that I see and I talk to kids and interact with them is the fact that a lot of them don't get opportunities to do things like this. So I will ask kids, I'll be like, you know, how was your weekend? You know, what did you do? What, you know, did you go to the mall? Did you go? And kids will say, well, I was just on YouTube or I was just on the iPad mm-hmm. or I was, just, you know, like, like their home bodies. They don't really get out and then get up. And it could be based on a lot of different things. Maybe that, you know, lack of transportation. It could be economics involved. It could be a lot of different things. So for kids to be able to go and be a part of something like this, they see something, not only a movie early, but to interact with other young kids. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm 39 years old and I've never been to a screen before, you know? Yeah. So how cool is it these these kids get an opportunity to go see a movie before it ever comes out? And, it, you know, maybe it's not a long period of time, but it's eight days then where you could talk about this movie before anybody else does. So you can go back to your school and be like, hey, I've got one. I'm one That's up on this at least for eight days. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. what, what, what have you learned about the sport just in the short time of you just being a part of it? In, in terms of just from a training regiment? I think because for me being a football player, you know, we're – 
not to get too scientific, we're anaerobic. You know, we're like, let's go hard for like six to 10 seconds and then let's take a 45 second break. And so that's the way I've always trained. Mm-hmm. Now, boxing and boxers and MMA, like that is nothing but cardio. So for that part of it, like that's, that's a struggle for my body to readjust to that sort of, that sort of training. And I'm, again, I'm just going against a heavy bag. Like I could not imagine doing that cardio, throwing legit punches and then having to defend myself, getting hit in the ribs, getting hit in the liver, get hit in the kidneys, get hit in the face. That's the stuff that like, I don't know if I ever really want to know. Like, <laughs> you to don't want to know how it feels. Yeah, to be honest, there's, there's like that part of me that kind of, I kind of want to take a punch just to see what it feels like, but maybe just one punch and that's it. But, um, you know, I've really grown to respect how conditioned they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and how hardened their their mind and their body is because you gotta you gotta be mentally strong to handle all the training and handle the ring and then you gotta be physically strong to like handle the punches right and and be able to bounce back and like think think as you're defending yourself and trying to counter punch like that's that part of the science I still don't understand like how can you see something as far as a key like okay they're gonna throw a jab or they're gonna throw something they're gonna set something up block and defend yourself but then then put yourself in a position to counterpunch. That part of it, like, I, I can't even, like, fathom that. At, uh, especially at the, the elite levels, it, uh, everything's moving quick, that's for sure, and uh, you don't really have time to think about it. It's just all reaction. And, and uh, I, I actually explain to a lot of my fans and friends uh, kind of uh, in terms of how a football player would watch film. You know, I, I always watch film on, on uh, my opponents before fights just to kind of figure out tendencies. So I... So I know what they're going to do, or, or think I know what they're going to do before uh, before it even happens, you know. And just like you guys would would watch film on uh, on you know see what uh, block happens or what uh, gap goes where, you know, and just that kind of thing. So are you when you're in the ring? Now you're watching film, and you have tendencies and all stuff. But when you're actually in the ring and you're just a, a few feet, maybe a foot away from the person, right? A few inches away from the person. Are you looking like where is your eye focus? Is it just on their chest? Is it on a shoulder? Is it like what? allows you to see a punch coming and from what angle so uh my my coach tom halstead is really big on this and a lot of guys uh you know he'll he'll ask people even even pros you know that he sees that that are doing it wrong he'll ask you where where you focus where's your focus and a lot of guys will say i'm looking at his eyes you know and no no, you don't want to look at your eyes because you can deceive people with your eyes and he always just pick a spot right in the center of your chest and when you look right there you can see which way your shoulders start to move and and uh, you can kind of see everything um, without even having to look at it, if you just focus right there, and I, he's trained me to do that, and so I don't even really look there. It's just that's where I'm. I'm, all, right. I'm never looking at the guy's eyes unless if I get if I hurt a guy and I see that he's buzzed, then I'll look at his eyes to make sure if, make sure he's actually uh, right. hurt or anything. But for the most part, I'm looking just focus straight on his chest, and that way you can see all the movements. And and if he starts to punch with the left hand, the right hand, or moving, it's just. Uh, um, the the correct focal point. But then, what happens when you get Nick hit in the face and your eyes are blurry? <laughs> <laughs> Got to not get hit in the face. <laughs> no, it's uh, you know, I've I've been buzzed a few times, and and uh, uh, that's just something you have to practice as well. That's part of the game is being hurt. So we in training, we that's that's one thing that guys neglect a lot is is they don't um, they don't practice in the gym how to react when you get hurt. You know, they don't know how to hold or they don't know how to. Uh, tie people up and and don't know what to do when they get hurt and you see guys a lot of especially a lot of young guys uh, they'll be twenty you know and with twenty knockouts and they'll fight a guy that's just an old veteran that and the veteran will hurt him and they don't know what to do they they panic and they uh, they freak out and don't know how to hold and they end up getting knocked out because they don't know what to do so 
got to practice that just like you practice uh, trying to trying to be on offense, you know. So, what's yeah. the longest you've ever been buzzed, quote unquote, buzzed in a ring where you've had to tie a guy up or wait to you hold on to the bell rings? Um, one time, uh, actually, when I fought Matt Vanda here in town, you might have been at that fight at the uh, at oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, convention yeah, center yep. in Minneapolis. Oh, we uh, both were. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It yep. was a really good fight. Yeah, and, and uh, it was like in the seventh round, he he threw a left hook and I blocked it. And it didn't hit me at all, but I blocked it. But the the air or whatever uh, ruptured my eardrum. No. So I was so I was like it throws off your equilibrium, and for like half a round, I was like couldn't see you straight, and I'm like my legs were wobbly and stuff, and had to hold on to him and just make Damn. it through the round. So uh, <laughs> you a badass. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been on the floor crying like a little baby. That was, that was a block. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't hit me. It, 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 it was just like the 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 suction or whatever. You know, I, I blocked the punch and it just it ruptured my eardrum. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's see, that's, that's a great see, question too, man. See, that's <laughs> why I don't want to get in a ring. <laughs> I stick to my heavy bag that doesn't punch back. <laughs> We're talking to Caleb Truex. We're talking to Ben Lieber here on the fan. I did want to ask you this because typically when it comes to when we're watching like professional sports and stuff, right? We, we 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 watch the NFL, and then you have the playoffs, and then once the team gets bounced, they're in the off season. Okay, mm-hmm. NBA, same thing, whatever. When it comes to you after a fight, let's, so you win your fight, right? What, what does your 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 downtime? What does that look like in terms of like how how many days or weeks do you give yourself to kind of just get your you know to to get maybe you know get, get your body in order before you're trying to mentally prepare and also physically prepare for maybe the next step yeah uh, it, it all depends i mean uh a lot of times um when i have the 12 round fights when they're when they're real tough wars you know you'll take your body will just be out of it for at least a week you know and you'll you'll take two weeks off three weeks off of not even working out doing nothing and uh then kind of ease your way back into it but for instance this last fight uh at the armory in in minneapolis um in august uh, I didn't take too much damage. I ended up knocking the guy out in the third round, so I was able to. You know, the next week, I was back in the gym sparring and, mm. and getting, getting, you know, just kind of trying to stay sharp. But um, at the same time, it's a, there's a balance to where you don't want to overtrain, you don't want to um, work too hard if you don't have a a fight scheduled or a fight scheduled far out because uh, there's definitely a possibility of overtraining and leaving a little bit in the gym. So I, I'm imagining that. For at least a day or two, are you just laying on your on your back with ice bags on your face? <laughs> there, it, it depends, man. Like, there's been times where where I've went ten rounds or twelve rounds and I felt fine after the next day. And I remember it was my first ten round fight. It was at the the um, St. Paul Armory in probably two thousand, probably two thousand eleven, something like that. It was a guy named Kerry Hope. He was from Wales and he was a, a really good fighter. He ended up winning a European Championship after we fought. And he was in crazy good shape, like just kept on going and going and going. And he was he trained up in Big Bear in uh, in yeah. uh, uh, California, so up in the altitude training. And he just pushed me to my limit, man. And I I got headbutted in that fight. I had to get like six stitches or something like that. And I was just completely beat up afterwards. And I went to that was on a, a Saturday, and I was on a Friday night. And I went to the Vikings game uh, <laughs> Sunday. Saturday was cool because I had my adrenaline was still pumping, you know. But I went to the Vikings game on Sunday, sat in the suite. And passed out in the suite and, and fell asleep for the whole game. And my buddy had to like physically wake me up, like, bro, <laughs> the game's over. It's time to go. I'm just like, what happened? <laughs> wow, that's something, man. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, before we let you go, and Ben, I know you're gonna hang out a little bit. We'll talk a little bit uh, Vikings sure. here in, yep. the, in the next segment. But one of the cool things about this is that although the screening is it's very closed and we got a bunch of kids that are showing up, there is an opportunity for, for some individuals, some lucky individual out there listening to be a part of this. 
yeah, uh, we want people to uh, kind of tweet us a picture of uh, or a video or experience of their uh, Rocky or Creed um, history and and uh, use the hashtags uh, Team Truax and Creed Two, and you can tweet it to to Lieber or myself, and we're gonna pick a couple uh, fans of each of ours and and uh, uh, invite them to the screening. Yep, absolutely. So make sure that you tweet at Ben Lieber and at Caleb Truex, and the hashtags are Creed Two, and the other one is Team Truex. And some lucky, you know, individuals out there listening right now get an opportunity to be a part of the screening. Next yeah, I week. think we'll choose tomorrow or the next day, and uh, this it's going to be Tuesday at the Imagine Theater in uh, Golden Valley, I believe, at four thirty. Yep. All right. Uh, so, hey, we appreciate it, Caleb, Ben. I know you're going to hang out for a little bit. Yep. And we'll talk a little Vikings football, but uh, I'll see you next week. Absolutely. All Thanks right, absolutely. Me. All right, we got a bye week, but uh, the Vikings conversation does not stop ever here on The Fan. We'll talk to Ben Lieber about the Vikes next. You're listening to The Fan. All right, thanks again to Caleb Truex for joining us last segment. And I uh, look forward to the event that we'll be a part of next week. But now let's talk a continued conversation with uh, Ben Lieber in regards to the Minnesota Vikings. I know it's the bye week, but we still want to address some things with the team. And I guess the first question is, now that we're at that that midway point of the season, what is your overall evaluations of the Vikings? What do, what do you think of their first half? You know, if you I, had to I, give them a grade, what would, what would the grade be? You know, I'd give them a, I'd give them a solid B. Um, you know, obviously the, the defense didn't play as well as I think that they were hoping to. You know, it would be probably it would be much more of a B plus A minus if they didn't lose to Buffalo. That stumble really set them back a little bit. But I'll say this: I think at the end of the season, and and we said it at the time, but I think now that we're at the at their proverbial halfway point of the bye week, um, I really think that the season, the season the way it's gone with the wins and losses and the tough the tough road loss to to the Rams and getting beat by the Saints and like all that stuff I think this is going to be such a battle tested team that late in the season they're going to look back and they're going to get I imagine they're going to get healthier you know let's let's just hope that nobody else gets injured and guys even get healthier as as the season goes on Xavier comes back after the bye week and all this stuff um they're going to look back at this the front stretch of the season and be like you know what it was good that we got knocked down. It was good that we got humbled. It was good that that we felt like we were on top of the world and we felt like we were unbeatable and we got our faces kicked in a little bit. And we had to reevaluate and readjust. And as much as it'd be great to go 16 and 0 at first round by and you know all this stuff, I still think the best teams at the end of the season have had their ups and downs. Have had to battle through adversity. And I do think that this is a team that has suffered through immense adversity um, on and off the field, and they're going to be a stronger football team for it. And I really think I'm, uh, there's a, a very positive outlook, at least for me, after the bye, they've got uh, a whole slew of division games to play, and, and really the whole season's still out in front of them. I think they're going to be, they're going to look back and say, like, I'm glad we went through that. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to make this team a lot tougher come playoff time yes. than we ever would have imagined. But my next question is this, though. Last year, when it comes to the Vikings, as outstanding as that defense was last year, mm-hmm. okay, and things were just going well for Case and, and, and that entire offense, 
Last year, we were able to navigate through the season and into the playoffs to get to the NFC Championship game without Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. My opinion is, when I look at the team this year, I'm not sure that we can replicate that and get that far without him this year. What do you think? I feel well, like we need him this time around. You definitely need him. And and it's it's a little bit of a uh, a personality shift offensively, which is why I think we need him. You know, you bring in DiFilippo, and he has, you know, I don't know if he's outwardly said it, but he wants out, he wants athletic offensive linemen. You know, similar to what they had in in Philadelphia. Now that being said, if you're going to sacrifice athleticism, or you want athleticism, you're going to sacrifice a little bit of grit and toughness, right? And it doesn't always have to be that way and that stereotypical. But you know, you're looking for guys that are a little bit quicker. They they're not the road graders. They're not going to reestablish a line of scrimmage in the run game. That being said, this ain't the Hogs from back in the right. 80s. <laughs> that being said, Dalvin Cook is the perfect running back for this system where he he a lot of times makes something out of nothing. There's not even a hole sometimes and he's squeezing through something. He so it's going to take a, a back like that to play with this type of offensive line where is as much as I I feel like uh Latavius is better the more carries he gets and the more he gets warmed up. I just think that a, on a per-play basis, Dalvin's going to give you that, oh, wow, there's that 70-yard run we saw last week. You know, where did that come from? Latavius is going to give you more of the grinded-out style. He's going to need bigger open holes on a more consistent basis. Dalvin can squeak through. He's one of the best in the league at making guys miss and one of the best in the league at, at yards after contact for being sort of a smaller guy. So uh, you're right. I think that this team can go just as far and even further, but it's got to be with Dalvin on the broadcast last uh, this past weekend, Phil Sims on CBS, he said that no quarterback has thrown better or more quality passes when getting hit than Kirk Cousins. Well, he certainly would know a lot more than me watching and evaluating much more of the NFL than, than I have. Um, but I will say that for all the naysayers out there, like $84 million and why are we doing this to the, with this quarterback, name another quarterback, and I'll even put Brett Favre in that, that equation. Name another quarterback that's been around this franchise that has dropped dimes, you know, thrown guys open to the consistency that Cousins had. Sure. Can you can you nitpick about well he gets the ball tipped to the line of scrimmage too much or he holds on the ball too much or or you know some of these dumb decisions. Like that that interception that he threw last week, it was dumb. Mm-hmm. Right? Every quarterback has them. But you look at the quality of throws, dude, he is by far the best quarterback this organization's had in a long time. It's not even close. Okay, he doesn't have the moxie that that Favre had, but I would take his accuracy and I would take his decision making over Favre any day. Really? Yes. That's saying a lot. Yes. I, I'm a fan. I I like the move, and I'm not I'm not one of those that's caught up in the the, the contract and all. You got to get past all that, man. If you're just strictly evaluating him and looking play-by-play play at what he's able to do and the throws that he's making, even under duress, and even when, when he's not under duress. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, he, he's he's a good dude, He's nails, man. Some <laughs> yeah. of these throws, and, you, and sometimes you get to get lucky. Like, um, Let's go back to uh, the, to Green Bay. When when Thielen caught this touchdown the, in the cor- front corner of the end zone, in the ball, and, and Cousins got drilled, right? Got hit on contact, throws the ball up. Thielen makes this unbelievable catch race to turn on backwards. It takes a little bit of luck, too, because, yeah, he put it in a spot. That was more on the safety making a boneheaded play. Like, he didn't make a play on the football and didn't make a play on the receiver, and he just sort of jumps late as the ball goes past him. You need some of that luck to happen every once in a while, but that was a great throw. 
He put it in a good spot. Um, you know, there's there's some phenomenal throws that he's made that I just don't see other quarterbacks, at least in the Vikings organization previously, were making. All right, final couple of minutes. Last question for you. I feel like we are truly contenders, clearly, with us uh, with us being so good in the uh, division in terms of where we're at right mm-hmm. now. Who is the other team that we have to stiff arm? Is it the Packers or is it the Bears? Which which of the two? I have a hard time saying it's the Bears. Okay, only because it's the Bears. You know, until they go out and can improve it consistently, I'm not going to put them in that upper echelon of the division. Are they a hard out? Pfft, absolutely. You know. Going to Chicago at Soldier Field, like I don't care what type of year play, the the Vikings have a hard time playing there. I knew, I know we did. It was a different vibe. There's just something different. I don't care if you leave a few hours earlier on Saturday, you adjust your travel schedule. Like there's something about walking in that stadium that we just don't play very well. Um, so that's always a tough out. I, I still think it's the Packers. You know, the Packers for as much I feel like soap opera drama that they have going on there with their head coach and Rogers not getting along and you know why do you get rid of this guy and why they trade that guy, they are somehow some way going to figure it out and they just do mm-hmm. and you and you have Aaron Rodgers so um, there that's the team that scares me the most. I got you. Always a pleasure, man. If you're not following him right now on Twitter, give him a follow at Nacho Lieber. It's Ben Lieber, uh, analyst here when it comes to the Vikings Radio Network. Also does great work when it comes to college football um, for Fox. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, and I'll see you, you next week. Yes, I'll see you next Tuesday. I will see you next Tuesday. Thanks, man. Good to see you. All right, coming up, final segment. I got one thing that I have to get to in regards to the Vikings. There's something that us as Vikings fans that we're doing that I just don't want to do anymore. we got to get it out of our systems. I'll tell you about that next. Alright, final segment, Henry Lake in for Paul Allen. Nordo, he's got you covered tomorrow. Here on 9 to noon. I appreciate uh, Ben Lieber for joining the show, as well as Caleb Truex and Mike Grimm. But here in this final segment, I do got a, a Vikings take that I want to discuss. Before I do that, real quick though, a lot of people have been talking about this uh, with the with the Gophers and the uh, the Marcus Carr kid. Yeah, um, not being granted the waiver. Maybe we'll get some help here, okay? Because whenever Jay Billis, who's one of my favorite college basketball analysts out oh, yeah. there, right? He's big time. When he says something on Twitter or starts talking about something on TV. It gains a lot of attention as yes, it, it should, and you 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 basically I don't want to say he always is able to move the needle and help out institutions or kids, but a lot of times he does. And he just uh, tweeted this less than thirty minutes ago uh, in regards to Marcus Carr, because M- Marcus Fuller from the Star Tribune, who joined us last night on Nothing But Net, he tweeted out um, a video of Marcus Carr talking about his waiver situation. Jay Billis has retweeted that and stated this as his comment. There is no legitimate reason for the NCAA to deny the waiver of Marcus Carr. Pitt is not opposing the waiver. This is just wrong. It hurts a player and helps no one. Bad policy. Grant the waiver, NCAA, in all caps. And I'm a big fan. Jay Billis is my favorite college basketball analyst and he just well, and he's a massive advocate for yes. the athletes themselves, yes. which is something you don't get 
within the NCAA conglomerate. And he doesn't miss his words, yes. No, and he definitely pulls no punches when ripping the, the NCAA. As as I'm it's refreshing to see that. It's yep. awesome. Yep. So he's he's back in the Gophers. He's backing Marcus Carr with this. He's like, Grant the waiver. This is not helping anyone. All you're doing is hurting the play. In the NCAA, they just you know what? They're getting better, but they're too slow on a lot of different issues when it comes to college athletics. And this is just embarrassing. Like you, you the only person in this scenario that you're hurting is the kid. Pitt is not saying that they oppose the waiver. They don't oppose it. Right. Let the kid come to the Gophers, man. That's what that's what I couldn't Gosh. figure out because I know that And you t- you told me you talked about that with me this morning. Yeah, Pitt Pitt released him. So Pitt's like, you want to go somewhere else? All good, man. Best of luck. Uh, by all accounts, he's not an academic issue. So there, there aren't, you know, relations to qualifying for anything, you know, from that standpoint. The only thing is, it's the NCAA. And just for, for one reason or another, uh, just making it as difficult as possible for programs to do, you know, and it's one of those things sometimes like whether it's a referee that makes a game about himself or simply by way of having authority, you feel like you must insert yourself or assert yourself in any or, or all situations. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, in terms of muddying up processes, and ultimately we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-old kids just playing a freaking sport. Uh, the NCAA makes it as difficult as possible on these kids, and it sucks. And Carr should be allowed to join the team. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So hopefully Jay Billis will be able to help out the uh, the Golden uh, Gopher situation here of Marcus Carr, but we'll see how that all plays out. But the thing that I've that I've heard here for the last week that I just I don't get it from 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 Viking fans, of which I'm one, is the angst that we have in regards to the New Orleans Saints. Okay, we know what occurred. Okay, I was at the game at U.S. Bank Stadium, okay, and saw what happened in terms of the Saints beating us in our own stadium, okay? Saints are a good football team. And currently, as it stands right now, if you look at the uh, the standings, there's two teams in the NFC that have one loss. That would be the L.A. Rams, who just lost over the weekend, to the Saints, yeah. and the Saints. Right. Okay? Saints have won seven straight. They're hot as ever. Yep. A- absolutely. They're hot as can be. Should have lost against us, but we fumbled, literally fumbled it away. But I feel like a lot of Viking fans right now are bitter about what's going on with the Saints. The Saints are getting a lot of love right now in the NFC. I understand it. They've earned that. Do I fear the Saints? Of course I don't fear the Saints. But let's not act like that we're going to be blind to the fact that they're an improved football team. The New Orleans Saints this year in my estimation are a better team than they were last season. Now does that mean that we're going to have um, more of an uphill climb to get back to being the dominant team in the NFC like last year? Yes. Do I think that? Do I think it's going to be tougher to get back to the NFC Championship game or possibly even a Super Bowl this year? Yes, because I think that the Saints are better. The Panthers are playing good football right now. I, I think that they lose tonight probably against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Rams are still very good. Yeah. And, I, and I think the Rams are improved from, from last season. But I don't think that Viking fans, I don't think that we should get all up in our feelings because the Saints are getting a lot of love. The Saints are earning everything that they're getting. Oh, no That's doubt about it. That's a damn good football team. And I don't know how this is going to work out. Now that they've signed Dez Bryant, I don't think it's going to hurt them signing Dez. They'll be just fine. And, 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 unless Dez isn't getting catches 
and he starts complaining and he becomes a locker room cancer, which I don't I don't think that that's going to be the case because clearly if he's got any common sense, he knows that he just latched onto a team that is a Super Bowl contending team. And if he has any common sense, he will understand that when it comes to the wideouts, Michael Thomas is one of the top five wideouts in the NFL right now, and yeah. he's going to get the bulk of the catches. Well, first of all, Des Bryant is not walking into fledgling potential contender. You know, uh, he's not going to the Bucks where he's no. opposite Mike Evans, who's probably frustrated because of the Jameis Winston Fitzpatrick bid and his, you know, his production and angry Deshaun Watson, et cetera, a bad defense, and they're just hoping they make it to 500 somehow. They're going into a, a clear Super Bowl contender, and he's not the first option. Uh, with Michael Thomas being potentially the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, Michael Thomas. Uh, Des Bryant at this stage of his career might look at some things Michael Thomas is doing, specifically in the red zone, and be like, yeah, that might be a good idea. Or, you know, and then with the running attack of Kamara and Ingram, I mean, he's like fifth option on that offense for Drew Brees. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to be an issue. I think, I mean, the angst is, I mean, it's the 09 title game, and it's bounty game. And it's, you know. But we knocked him out last year, though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That. Frustration bleeds eternally in this state. But my thing is, it's, it's, it's a new year. So okay. I, I have no issue with giving them their respect for being a, an improved football team. They are improved. If any, if anybody out there that's a Vikings fan or, or a football fan, if you look at the Saints this year and you think that, well, they're not as good as they were last year, I, 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 I can't agree with that. To, to me, that to me that's a take that you just don't want to acknowledge that they're a better team this year than they were last year. Well, I mean, again, I, I think that, you know, for, they will always look at that team as being Greg Williams and the the awful nature, the awful person. It appears that Greg Williams is. He's done nothing to give you ideas otherwise of that. Um, from the bounty gate bid and the smug nature of Sean Payton. Sean Payton's an elite coach, but he comes off to those that don't live in the Bayou and don't bleed for the Fleur de Lis as just being an arrogant, smug guy. He was mocking the team with the skull chant before the miracle play last mm-hmm. year. That pissed off a lot of Vikings fans. And we're an emotional and we're an emotional bunch. And we hold on to stuff like that. And fast forward to this game, there are a lot of Vikings fans, myself included. Um, I'm not one of those that hates on the team. They're awesome. And they're gonna be a pain in the ass all year long. And it's gonna be a team if you want to get through January and February, you're gonna have to go through New Orleans. Uh but the you know, this this team uh fumbled in the red zone with an opportunity to potentially go up 20-10 to 10 at half with getting the ball on the other side of the break and the pick six to P.J. Williams. I think there's a lot of Vikings fans that feel like you beat this team. Drew Brees, his least productive game of the season by 10 miles, mm-hmm. was Sunday night at U.S. Bank Stadium, and we literally gave that game away with two massive mistakes. Even though I can agree with all of that, okay, in terms of talking about what we didn't do right and what we gave away yeah. from, the, from, from, from the aspect of the fumble, because I was bitter about that, and then you have the picks. I told, I get all of that, but are we not going to give the Saints any credit? Is that what we're not? We're not going to give the Saints any no. credit. Why would I, we? See, they're, they're, no, they're, we're childish and petulant. They're a very, very good team, and if we meet them again, I mean. Oh, I don't fear you, them at can all. Can you beat Breeze twice the way that you did? I don't, I don't fear them at all. I don't fear them at all. Breeze didn't do much of anything, but but now let, let's let's be honest though. The, Alvin Kamara, we got to be concerned about that because he is a matchup nine for everybody. Yeah, the, I, the, I don't. There's not a linebacker in the league that can cover him. No, 
No, we didn't. We didn't have an answer for him. Now I don't believe we had Anthony Barr in that game. We didn't mm-hmm. have Xavier Rhodes. Uh, there were those that would be excited about Holton Hill not being brutally exposed in that game, and those things we were a bit shorthanded. I think that's how we look at it. I mean, it's just you, when you look at Drew Brees and you look at the Saints, and you you forget sometimes that this is a team that prior to last year they missed the playoffs. I think they had nine and seven records three years in a row. I mean, this team has had their struggles and they've had to build up through the draft. And now things are really clicking. This is an incredible team, uh, right? At, you know, as, as Drew Brees nears the end of his career, but you, you you get after him the way that you did in the playoff game and how that transpired into uh, into the negativity and frustration of last Sunday. And I'm sure there are a ton of Vikings fans that are out like, screw those guys. I mean, you know, look at how the ball is bounced in their direction yet again, where they they're running into bad divisional opponents early on. They get to go play an awful Giants team. You know, Monday night it becomes the NFL uh, all-time passer. Breeze does against uh, Alex Smith's worst performance in like five years when the Redskins were there, and Adrian uh, separates or dislocates his shoulder in that game. And you start like the ball's always bouncing in their direction. It's always going the way of Sean Payton and Drew Breeze, and they're so smug and they're arrogant about it. and We don't like it. I'm assuming there's a lot of Vikings fans that think that way. I'm with I just you. think they're a badass team. I'm with you, but I'm they can you. be beat though, right? Absolutely. There's not a team. Look. Do I think there's a team in the NFC that's unbeatable? No. Do I think there's a team in the AFC that's unbeatable? No. I think that the Minnesota Vikings are capable of beating any team in the entire league. In the entire league. I, I don't I don't fear the Patriots. I don't fear the Steelers. I don't fear the, the Chiefs. I don't fear anybody. But we we gotta bring our A game though. We defense really, is coming back around. Kirk, uh, Kirk makes some mistakes with the ball once in a while. But that's why I asked that question of, of, of Ben, of Dalvin Cook and his importance. Because we were able to go to the NFC Championship last year with just Latavius Murray. Can we get all the way back there and potentially kick the door in and get to the Super Bowl without Dalvin Cook being available? And I'm not sure that we can I don't know we, if you, we, if you we, have a healthy we, digs. We need his explosiveness. You know, we need the explosiveness and, and all of that, and the line is precipitously worse than it was a year ago. I mean, that's just an issue. Health, it's ta- right, it, you yeah, know. it's taking a step back. Um, so, that's, so that's a problem there. You know, one thing that I look at, and it's part of Filippo kind of finding his way as an offensive coordinator, is we've seen our offense stumble, and we've seen consistent third-quarter lulls. And it feels to me like it's, it's, it's uh, on a regular basis related to committing and smacking our heads against the wall or table or brick wall, whatever, uh, in relation to we got to run the ball. And sometimes, you know, and if Dalvin's back and, and we're going to get more of, you know, uh, two yards, two yards, 65 yards from Dalvin, then no one's going to argue with it. But uh, we've seen several times where this offense sputters out and it's related to, well, we got to find, we got to get closer to 50-50 run pass. Well, at some point, if it's not going to get better and the line's going to continue to be an issue, whether it's Isadora or Compton at, at left guard, hopefully Riley Reef and the foot gets uh, gets healthy. That's why mm-hmm. this bye week's at a perfect time. Uh, if it's not going to get better, then we're just going to have to say, Kirk, go throw it for 5,000 yards, please. And that's the type of rhythm, I think, that can eliminate some of those issues we've seen on offense. And so he's, you know, that's that's part of the maturation process of DeFilippo being the O.C., uh, but Dalvin Cook, you know, if if anything, whether it's the run game or getting him out of the backfield and offering an additional receiving option as a playmaker, he is vital to this yes. offense moving on all cylinders. So, yeah. you know, having him back on the field, sure, you know, we don't know what ultimately what the result will be 
um, whether it's run or pass uh, pivotal, but I think that he's he's absolutely imperative to this thing moving quickly. Yep, especially helping out those wideouts because to me we got two number one receivers in Diggs and Thielen, and I, I actually I believe that Adam Thielen's a top five receiver in the league right now. Right now, my top five: Thielen, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, your guy, and then I still got Julio in there in the top five. Okay. Um, but Julio's those unbelievable. Th- th- those would be my top five. Well, most people would have Odell Beckham Jr. in the top five, and I don't have him there anymore. Um, he's a victim of the offense. I mean, that's a tough thing. I think it you, is tough. And he's still, by the way, even though he just got paid, he still hasn't gotten over all of kind of those. You know, I, I don't know if, if it's a characteristic thing. I mean, he's just he's a temperamental guy. No, he's that same guy. And and so that he's secured the bag, but that hasn't changed. Yeah, that hasn't necessarily changed. So you know, I, I hate to call, I hate to say, hey, Odell, grow up. I mean, he's so talented. He was he was on the verge of setting records from a receiving standpoint. He's very very good. He's a victim of Eli, I think, in totality right now. Yep. All right. Uh, are we ready for the uh, for the show wrap or? Oh, I haven't finished it yet. Oh, you haven't finished it yet. All right, I, I had bad. to write one more line. Oh, my bad. My might bad. Be my the bad. Mo- might be the most important line. All right, all right. I'll let you do that. I'm trying and- to rhyme with sports is what's <laughs> happening right now. I feel you. Hey, I do appreciate the love and the time that was given to the show today from uh, Ben Lieber joining us here in studio. That was awesome. Uh, Caleb Truex as well. We got the event going on next week where the kids are going to get an opportunity to check out Creed uh, 2. Which looks to be an awesome movie. I, I, you know, I'm one of those guys that if the if the trailer looks really, really good, I'll go check out the movie. Yeah. And if it doesn't look that great, I'll be like, oh, I'll wait for the video. And the trailer looks absolutely uh, awesome. So I'm looking forward to checking that out and being a part of the the Q and A with both those guys next week. Also, thanks to my Grim. Hopefully, the Gophers can get an upset victory against Purdue. Not likely, but. If you're going to make a bowl game, you got to win this weekend. That's where it starts. Yeah, there'll be dogs in all three. So Purdue, I mean, Purdue just knocks off juggernauts. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing with an under-talented roster at this point. I think they got that badass running back. I forget what his name is. They they have one stud player on offense uh, that I'll have to familiarize myself with before Saturday. But but Purdue into Northwestern, into Wisconsin, it doesn't look good. No, no. It doesn't so, look good. Uh, well, this is year one. I think last year was year zero. This year is year one. Uh, the offense is evolving. Defense, maybe could have made a move on the defensive coordinator a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. but it, the, the time is now. So uh, they'll be better. Just not you. necessarily Saturday or the following or at Madison. I got you. I got you. I'm ready to You want me to this? hit you with this rap thing? Let, let, let's hear it, man. All right, okay. Well, You're good. Let's see what we got here. Brought to you by the Paddy Wagon, the 9 to Noon Show raps, Mr. Lake. 9 to Noon handed the keys to my man H. Lake. He's the boot prince on the street, stomping on them snowflakes. It's sports immersion, no bi-week diversion. Fantastic voyage on a three-hour excursion. 2020 vision, no glasses or monocle. Overtaken from the go with his own Jim Chronicles. Dude spread eagle in the crowded sauna like he's alone. Put your balls away, man, that's simply not condoned. Anyway, Friday feast coming right, I'm alone at B-Dubs. Did I get the location right? Oh, it's the buy, no wings, beer, or sports. I'm here, one hand on the mic and one hand in my shorts. <laughs> so that's how we do the, that's how we do the show wraps here at 9 to noon. Oh, that's awesome, man. Dude, you've been laying it down for for quite some time, but uh, but it's all good. That's awesome, dude. Hey, 
thanks so much for everything today. You do phenomenal job producing, as always. It's fun with you. Thanks, man. You're in the big chair tomorrow, man. I am, yes. You're, you're in the big chair tomorrow. Anything that the people need to know a day ahead of time? Uh, Johnny Athletic, there'll be Vikings, a midway point conversation related, similar to what we talked about today with Ben Lieber and company. Kevin Falness, Wild Radio Network, will hit uh, Wild Doubleheader tonight and tomorrow. So, a uh, lot, of, lot of hockey, a lot of hoops, and a lot of football tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Tune in and listen to Nordo tomorrow, 9 to noon. I'm out of here. Appreciate it, everybody. I will talk to you guys this Sunday. It's a bye week. Vikings are off, but I'm in on Sunday here on The Fan. Common man Dan Cole, he's got you covered next.